Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, Miguel Iterate, back here on the Lights Out Podcast, and uh, I'm back. That's the MMA detective, Mike Davis, as you guys know. And uh, Chris is uh, hovering around here. He's going to join us, and we will be joined for another deep dive here. Gray Maynard. I'm excited about this one because, you know, uh, sometimes I have a connection to the guys. They've worked with me before, or, you know, with Gray Maynard, I don't have any of that. And that makes it a challenge for me, but I do know we're getting a top-shelf competitor one way or another, so I, I'm excited. Mike, what do we got? What do we, what's going on okay. here? So, Miguel, you absolutely would have been limited to work with Gray Maynard in the past due to the fact that he's only got three fights outside of the UFC. So when you look at the totality of his record, it's somebody that's been primed from a very young age to excel at combat sports. And that's what Gray Maynard is. So we, it, it actually, I, I got through his record at, at a really fast pace. And I got, we got about 25 hours of pre-prep into him. And we were able to cram it all in in order to, to, to fast track it. But yeah, Gray Maynard, he's, uh, you know, he fought at the highest levels of competition and it's, it's going to be a good interview. We're going to be able to shine some lights on certain aspects or components of a pro athlete that most interviewers aren't able to pull out of the interviewee. However, guys, the only way this thing works is by your help. Give us five stars on iTunes. Write anything you want. We don't even care what you say. Just give us five stars. It helps with the algorithms. Like, share, subscribe on YouTube. If you guys do that, it's it's like giving us money. It's helping this podcast grow. So if you guys can do that, we'll keep pushing these things out. And uh, we're going to join, be joined here shortly by Gray Maynard. Very excited to do this interview. Uh, one of the top competitors and top contenders in uh, the 55 category uh, since they bought it back, basically. So without further ado, great meeting. Okay, welcome, everybody. Thank you. Another deep dive here. Super excited about this. Uh, I love it when we good, good, good guys on here. This is one of, um, one of the great ones. You've seen him fight many times, some of the most memorable title fights, especially um, some great, great barn burners, great fan. Uh, Gray Maynard, Gray, how you doing, bub? I'm doing great. Good, Living long the time, life. No see, like I said, we've been talking a little bit here, a little bit off camera. Um, I wanted to, I'm sure most people know a little bit about your background, but I just, oh, by the way, Miguel, Mike is going to be helping me here. They, or they're going to be doing it. I'm just going to throw a little bit of comments in here, but you, <laughs> everybody knows a little bit about your background. Why do you tell us a little bit about that before we get started? How did you get into fighting? What, what led you yeah. to this? I started wrestling when I was about three years old. Uh, yeah. Jumped around you know, different sports, but around seventh or eighth grade, I went to a tournament to where uh, I saw a guy named Tom Brands. He's the head coach at Iowa. And uh, just the way he wrestled was so uh, physical and brutal and his mentality that it just made me quit every other sport and concentrate on wrestling. And uh, in Nevada, wrestling's pretty decent but um you know i made a deal with my dad uh he was a two-time state champ in ohio that if i won state my 10th grade year and i ran through all the competition 
he would get me back there as at um to, to St. Ed's where wrestling is is a lot tougher you know and you know, I wanted to test myself and and um after 10th grade I packed up my 88 Subaru and and went out to Ohio and jumped around you know to people's houses and went to school out there for two years uh took second in state my junior year took state my senior year I was a high school you know national champ and then um and then I went to Michigan State. I was on the team with, uh, you probably know this name, Rashad Evans. Heard of him, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, he was my boy. And, and then uh, I went out to Arizona to try out for the 04 Olympic team. And, you know, that's just a tough road. You know, you got to mm -hmm. have uh, a lot of stuff lined up and, uh, you know, just – didn't quite make it. Rashad hit me up. He said he was getting into MMA. And, um, you know, that struck me as like, huh, that's, you know, that's interesting. And then when I moved back home to Vegas after 04, um, I was jumping around, just trying out the jujitsu stuff. And I guess word got back to BJ Penn that I was pretty good, you know, just, um, kind of with the takedowns and, and, um, he called me up and I had no idea who he was, but <laughs> it, was, it was a trip to Hawaii. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And, and, um, when I went to Hawaii, you know, I really caught that bug, you know, like the, the sport's cool. You know, I like it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, was he just bringing uh, you out for a camp to help him for a camp or something? Yeah, he doing? was going up against a Gracie in Japan, and okay. uh, he he didn't want to get didn't want to get a takedown. He didn't want to get you know he wanted to keep it up, and um, and you know he did good. He won that one, and then after coming back from Hawaii, one of my Greco buddies hooked me up with Kator and just jumped in that room he was jumping around gyms cause he had just moved there and Jay Huron was there. Mike Kyle, Forrest Griffin. Um, there was about 10 of us and, um, and you got there just after Sean Tompkins. Am I correct? No, Sean Tompkins was, we kind of started it all. Um, Couture. okay. He came after tour okay. and everybody. Yeah. Sean Tompkins had come out there. He was helping Dan Henderson and there was a hookup and then he started flying me out to Canada to help Hominick, to help Man. Scout. Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, Sean Tompkins. And yeah. then that connection started and then he ended up coming to Extreme Couture when we got the gym going. So... so at this point, are you even fighting? Are you just helping people train and preparing to fight? Have you even fought yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I was just helping people train and prepare and and um, you know i had an amateur fight against evan dunham <laughs> up in oregon yeah wow. they, they kind of you know and uh, you know that's I won a tough a bench fight made knife yeah yeah so it was it was good uh it was a barn burner you know and and uh, and then 
the next who promoted, fight, who promoted that who promoted that sport randy, fight randy yeah it was sport fight it was matt linlin and randy it was in the rose garden oh okay Sweet. Yeah, did, did they know how good evan dunham was then or they just think you're just throwing it in you with some guy they know he was good no like randy and matt linlin aren't really strategic on you know, <laughs> trying to build anybody up. They're just like, oh, you in with the toughest, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're old he, school. He was, yeah, he was already. Um, he already had like ten or twelve amateur fights, and and he was doing wow. good. I mean, he was a skilled guy. And um, um, the next fight was well. Wait, wait. Let's, let's say, so great. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm sorry. So like, when we go through the fights, we try to kind of catch them in order. Yeah. So that Evan Dunham fight. How did you win? Was it a decision? Decision, yeah. Yeah. He's a durable guy. He's, he's really yeah, he was really durable and and uh, you know it really got me to understand the pace of MMA compared to the pace of wrestling. Because I remember going in the back room, you know, throwing up like because I did you win I the just, third round? Uh yeah, yeah, I probably did. Okay. Yeah. So let me kind of frame this just properly. So his first amateur fight and Gray, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, your, your career reeks of having a manager, like a high end manager immediately, because if you follow the trajectory of your career, it's very fast. Like, yeah. for instance, your first amateur fights, April 8, 2006, a sport fight against um, Evan Dunham. And for people at home to kind of understand how good Evan Dunham was, eight fights after that bout. He's in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. So you won all three of those rounds. Am I correct? Uh, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure, you know, I controlled him a lot. Yeah, I, I look for that video everywhere. It, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I got it on DVD. You it's should put it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a good fight. It was fun. Yeah. So then yeah. from there, like, if you look at, like, April 8, 2006, and then – April 24th or April 21st, 2006, he's in Des Moines, Iowa, um, fighting for the, uh, the title fight championship where he fought Joshua Powell. Yeah. Here's, so, a, here's a quick story on that, though. Um, the promoter, he's a big yeah, yeah, he's a big wrestling guy, and he wanted to match up me and Tyrone Woodley. <laughs> and we were trying to make that happen. <laughs> he was trying to make that happen, which it was uh, – you know, I think Tyrone was just getting started and, and uh, you know. He was training with Mike Rogers at the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know if he was, he was kind of into it, you know, just yeah. going up yeah. against another wrestler and, you know, so. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was the guy who I was supposed to, you know, go up against. And hey, then kind of last. I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe Randy and them didn't like you. So they're <laughs> yeah. just saying you're trying to say the hardest fight possible. And I would say guy. that that they didn't either if I didn't know them, but they would do the same thing. So that's okay. why I was I was okay with it. Okay. With the, Chris, they almost took the theory so could you route, except for a 155 pounder. Yeah. <laughs> with great. Like yeah. it's if you really kind of look at his record, that's where it's at. So the title fighting championship. You get through Joshua Powell quick. Like, yeah, you get your first finish too, which is super important. And then, Chris, June 10th, 2006, he's in Jamie Levine's show WEF against Brent Weedman in Las Vegas. So he's got three fights 
in about two months. And then he goes to the ultimate fighter. So it was almost like a rush to get him the fights that he needs because he already had a UFC contract probably before, you know, he had his first pro fight. I've trained with Weedman. That dude, he's a stud, man. He's really good. Yeah, he is tough. He was tough. He, he, uh, he went up against Ashkern for the Bellator title. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, he, he's kind of like the Evan Dunham, you know, and, and I'm going out there in my mind, I'm going to finish these guys. And, and, you know, like I should be walking through these people and, you know, the, those are two cats who are, who are durable, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they've already had a lot of fights too, yeah. which, um, which was cool. You know, it, it, it really made me understand how to fight better people pretty quick, you know, and the pace that I need to go at. Gray, usually you, you have several earlier fights where you learn how to fight people and, you know, like it's different. And I mean, you learn how to breathe, how to relax, you learn how to do little things. You didn't get that opportunity. You had to learn at the highest level, which is very difficult to do. But then again, I guess you were training with great people, but man, that's a tough road to go, man. You're not, I'm not hearing any easy fight so far. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got, with, with the uh Joshua Powell fight in between, you scored a TKO or a, a knockout yeah. or a, now how are you coming along on your hands? A lifelong wrestler like that? Like, were you yeah. just kind of uh naturally powerful, or is it something that, that you put some work into with somebody? Yeah, so um Vegas, there's a lot of boxing guys, and and uh you know, I was jumping around definitely interested in it um you know i would i kind of have a natural powerful punch but i don't have like a lot of uh crack to where you you know kind of natural you got the natural powerful punch and the natural like knockout power right it's Mm -hmm. it's different like it is like mine's a heavy punch you know it's 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 not like those uh, it's just too different uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know I kind of have a heavy punch to where people you know get hit and they feel it you know and and um, whereas it would have been nice to have a little bit of a knockout punch but uh, you know is what it is so mm-hmm. I try to use the tools I had <laughs> so from at this point wait Jamie Levine is as a promoter. How yeah. was your experience with him? Um, nothing. Were like I really didn't have a lot to um, <laughs> to do with him. You know, I heard good and bads, but um, you know, I was just just there to work. You know, who, who was your manager at the time? Uh, Randy would take care of a little bit of stuff, but you know, it was just me. That probably helps. So if you got Randy in there, I don't think too many people are ripping Randy off or his yeah. people. You know I mean? So that, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. At this point, like, like I'm looking at it and I'm swearing to Miguel in our in our pre-fight prep. I'm like, there's no way he didn't have he wasn't rushing for these fights because he knew he had a shot at the Ultimate Fighter probably before he even had his first pro fight. Mm-hmm. Is that did that conversation take place? No, no, not really because. Um, <clears throat> the show just kind of took off, you know, and um, it was all over the place, 170. And then, you know, just um, that really wasn't in the back of my mind. You know, I was just really? trying to get, yeah, I was just trying to get 
Sage. in as much as possible, right? Because, um, uh, you know, I did want to go. There was a chance I was almost going to Pride, like right after my Brent Weedman. Um, they had me up to the last couple days. Tompkins was working on getting me in Pride against Aoki. Oh, and that that's just, really they were, early. They were kind of, they were just kind of stringing um, yeah. a couple of us along. There was a guy yeah. out of Iowa who they took, but. Um, you know, I was like, like I was all packed up, ready to go. And then we get that call. Japan kind of works a little different, you know, especially with pride. But, um, you know, they kind of strung me along and then just um, chose to give him. Chose to give the other guy the fight, oh. I guess. I think I am yeah. at that time where we had around 30 fights and you're yeah. coming at three. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, he yeah. had just broke this guy's arm. Keith Wisniewski. uh, Yeah. And so um, I remember Tompkins, you know, I was like, because it was stringing on for a couple weeks, you know, I wanted to watch a little bit of tape on him. And he's like, ah, no, don't worry about the tape because (laughs) he broke that guy's arm. It's horrible. It's not like I'm going to, yeah, it's not like I'm going to pull out or anything or get, you know, it's just like, all right, you know, and, and then, uh, yeah, but that would have been cool to compete in pride. For sure. For sure. All right. So now he's three fights in. Well, I mean, he's, he's got three pro fights, one amateur fight. I'm sorry, two two pro, one amateur, and there's like an eight month time off period there. Yeah, was that set up by design, or when did you know you were going to be on the Ultimate Fighter season five? No, that was not that was not by design, you know. And and Google was kind of killing me because we would we would try to get in the cage, and and people would you know type in Gray Maynard and and uh, you know, three-time All-American, one amateur fight, two pros, and, uh, you know, a lot of people were kind of turning it down. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. There's really yeah, no upside for him. You know yeah. Mean? Yeah. So um, when they – And you're not looking to fight body either. Like, you could get a body, but yeah. it's going to be, you know, home, but, like, your home is kind of scattered, like, didn't you go yeah. to three different high schools? Yeah. Yeah, I went to three different high schools. Was it for academic reasons or athletic reasons? Academic. Yeah, academic. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 wrestling. Completely wrestling. Well, okay, let's see. Uh, maybe get, yeah. Miguel, this is where you insert your street fight question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, like, it was wrestling. In the ninth grade, um, you know, I went to a school – uh, it was good wrestling, but then I, I transferred to another school in the 10th grade to get better competition. And then I transferred to St. Ed's to get the best, you know, to go up against the best. So did, mean, your, family, yeah, did your family move with you to St. Edwards? No, Cleveland? no, I jumped around houses, my aunts and uncles. I mean, we, we definitely grew up struggling but my parents really believed in my dream and, and wanted wow. to give me the opportunities and we just made it happen. You know, I had like a station wagon and drove it out there and, and uh, St. Edwards was, 
you know, really great people and people took me in and I slept at their house and changed houses, you know, 20 different times probably. And, and, uh, but you know, got to do what you got to do to make that dream happen. I don't think people could really understand and appreciate. I mean, just level of dedication you've had since high school. I mean, I don't know really anybody who would be willing to say, I'm moving from Vegas over to Cleveland just for wrestling. I mean, you're a state champ there. Most people would be happy. I'm going to win state a couple more times. You go to a really tough wrestling state just to be actually in probably one of the best wrestling rooms in, in the country at the time for wrestling. I mean, man, you're dedicating everything for this. And that's why I always think wrestlers make the best fighters because they already understand that work ethic and discipline. I mean, it translates over so good. If you don't wrestle, I'm not, it's, I don't see how people really do it, but I mean, yeah, wrestling, you have to have that base. I think and you had it in spades. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It really taught, really teaches you how to work on your weaknesses, you know, and be honest with yourself and um, you know, what you put in is what you get out. And, that, and I really believe every kid should compete in like wrestling, you know, because you're going out there on a mat all alone, you know, and uh, it really is eye opening to um, what you need to work on and, and how you need to do it. You know, and that's basically get in the room and work hard. So, I, I love it. I love it real quick. I'm just watching, you know, I've been around wrestling forever watching. You got these kids will be like six, seven, you know, they're wrestling. They go out there and they're, they're getting beaten. They're crying and all this. And then you see them the next year and maybe a little bit, they learn, you know, then you just, it is what it is, man. You got to work as hard as you can. You get better in the room and you, you dedicate and, you know, they, they by the couple of years, they're not crying anymore. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes men out of uh, kids. It really does. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great sport. You know, I love it. I owe it a lot. So how did you uh, wind up on the Ultimate Fighter Season 5? Yeah, so uh, that season got announced. And, um, you know, I just did whatever I could because they just added 155, like, right then. And, uh, you know, I just did whatever I can. You know, had Couture talk to him, had Kendall Grove talk to him, who was on the show. Rashad Evans, Joe Stevenson, and then, uh, you know, I did the interviews and, and uh, um, you know, I acted like who I am, but somehow some, like, way that, you know, it kind of fit into their, their, uh, like, formula. The format. Yeah, the yeah, format. The yeah. formula you know, to have a reality show. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a crazy year. We had Diaz on there, like Manny Gambirian, Joe Lazon, uh, Rob Emerson. Uh, there was a bunch of tough guys on that team. Good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That was a good so one. your first, your, your first opponent coming into the house, I mean, you obviously knew the format when you walked in and you got picked to fight Wayne Weems. Right. Was that, it really wasn't defined in the show. Was that the coach picking it or yourself thinking that was the best matchup for you? I think I went on the show kind of picked to win it. Um, I agree with that. And 
uh, Diaz was BJ picked me first, and then Jens picked Diaz. But then, uh, you know, uh, Jens had control almost the whole time to pick to pick the matchups, you know. And then um, the last guy was just, you know, I was the last guy to compete, you know, and that was in that round, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, they kind of gave me Wayne Weems and is what it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's you know, I think Wayne probably had the absolute best draw on the show because I mean he took care of him quick he didn't get beat up too bad and then he got to party yeah. and hang out and drink you know <laughs> for the remainder of the season like he never left yeah yeah it was awesome it, it, it might be some guys might consider it better to get the contract Mike you know I mean I don't know Not Wayne. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne like he did if you look at his record like Chris I and Miguel were kind of mainstays within the Midwest there's a lot of fixed fights on Wayne Weems record. And like, I, I, I saw, yeah. like, I've seen him do fixed fights. And when he showed up on the ultimate fighter, I'm like calling around, like, that's the same guy. How did he get there? Yeah. So we kind of yeah. knew he was, you know, low hanging yeah. fruit from the beginning. He wasn't, he right. wasn't going to yeah. win in that house. Yeah. But uh, let yeah. me, so how, but overall, how is the ultimate fighter experience? Now here you are, it's the big show, but. At the same time, you know, you're fighting, I think, for like a salary and maybe getting a bonus at this point if you stop your opponent. I mean, you're not it's not the big time in terms of pay, the the big yeah. time, you know, and you got couture and guys with real careers, real expectations and stuff. So what's your feeling overall at, at this point? Um, I'm not a big TV guy, especially a reality TV show like I wouldn't even watch it. And um <laughs> You know, I was just doing what I had to do to, to, to get in and compete, you know, to get in with all the top dogs. And, uh, you know, I remember being in that hotel and watching a reality TV show and thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to be on this, something like this, you know. And when I got in there, it just really is a recipe to create drama. You know, you can't read books. You can't. Um, can't watch TV, can't talk to people, you know, you can only talk to the guys. It's like a really nice jail. You're, you're, (laughs) you know, you're going, you're, you're going up against all these guys, you know, you can't like, um, got to keep your eye on your back and, and just, just kind of knowing like what you have to do. You're going to have to beat all these people up. You know, Gray, I always thought it was funny. Like when I was in there, I was at the season before you and, you could say, man, this toilet's broke or we're out of this and that. And they'd be like, we'll yeah. get to it. But if you say yeah. we're out of vodka, you don't get the K out yeah. vodka to bring it in. What, what, who needs vodka? I mean, it's like yeah. they, yeah. you know, the, it, it's a recipe. Like you say, it's like a ticking time bomb and you put people yeah. in there with alcohol. You're just, they're just waiting for something to go wrong because yeah. it makes good TV. Yeah. So it's and it's, not, any, it's anything but reality, right? <laughs> like, like I get thrown on this TV show and I love DJ Penn, but, but he's not, um, you know, we come from two different backgrounds. Right. And, and he was a little bit more, you know, kind of about the technique, teaching technique and slower practices. I wanted like more, more, more. And um, yeah, you know, and that's, that's kind of what Jen's did. And uh, 
you know, and not that it was wrong or right or bad or good. It was just not the way that I trained for, you know, a competition. Yeah. For no, years. I, I think yeah. the, part, the part of it is that the TV show really kind of forced you down a path as they gave you a coach. You can't, you know, you, yeah. who wants to give up your coach if you're happy? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. that's, that's the horrible part of it. Yeah. It, great. I will even say like here in tough episode five, episode five, it's the Gabe Rudiger, you know, episode <laughs> or in Mrs. Yeah. Wade. But like, if you look at the totality of everybody else on that show, they didn't give a shit about Gabe Rudiger, what he did or anything. There's a part in the bus where, where Rudiger's picked to fight Corey Hill. And you're like, oh, so what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'm going to keep it on my feet, this, that. And you're like, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about your weight. Like, yeah. you kind of yeah. saw in your mind where you would be if you were him. And you're at, like, code red. And he's, yeah, I'm going to go take a nap and chill out. But yeah. <laughs> you got to see your character in that because you were dragging him into the sauna. You were putting him on a bike where everybody else was just like, I don't care. It's like, for, for some reason... Yeah. You stepped up. You're like, no, this is what teammates are supposed to do, even though this is a manufactured situation. I, I, I think I, I, I took away like from that episode, like what kind of character that you had in the yeah. practice room. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it was so much, you know, trying to be a good teammate or whatever. But look, we got a job to do, you know, and the first part of that job is to make weight. And, and if you want to, you know, throw this away, um, you know, that's on you, but I'm here to help you and let's just get it done. I mean, at least lose the battle in the cage, not on the scale. Yeah. That's a wrestler right there, Chris. That's right there. Yeah. I mean, you're up. I've been making weights. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been making weights since I was eight years old and, you know, I missed once and, um, and it's just, that's just what we do. We pick this sport. We pick the sport to where you cut weight. Do I like it? No, but we got to do it and get it done. I mean, great. I've always felt like, I mean, there's so many variables when it comes to fighting, you can't control your opponent, you can't control the judges. You can't control if the ref makes a bad call. You can't control much, man. But you can always control your weight if you come in there. On that's the only if you yeah. if you can't do that part, then you ain't in control of anything, man. I mean, you're not controlling yourself. You gotta go. You gotta make the weight, man. And if you don't make that, then I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't, I got nothing for you, really. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, it's just being disciplined, you know. Yeah, you know. And if you're not disciplined, then it's just being tough, you know, at the end and getting through it and making it. I felt bad for Gabe. Like he, I mean, he had an infomercial about, and and you know, that there was some creative editing in there as well. (laughs) Yeah. Like they really did a number on him. I I legitimately, like we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He did a great interview and I legitimately felt felt pretty bad for him and kind of watching it now than, than then. So yeah. he was a great. decent guy on the show too. Yeah. Man. But once nice that guy. cam once that camera turned on, you know, it was like, how can I get more? How can I get more? And I'm sitting here like, dude, 
you can get more by just fighting, by winning, getting, <laughs> by winning. <laughs> you, know, you know, and he even and, talked and, about that. Yeah. You know, and I tried to tell the guys like that, you know, is, is, is it's, you know, it's not about camera time, man. It's about getting in there and, and, and showing people who you are and, and, you know, um, you know, training hard, winning and doing your job. He, he talked a little bit about that, about how he felt like he got caught up in too much of thinking, I got to make a spectacle. I got to do something. I got to get TV time. I got to get talked about because this is a good platform. Let um, me try to do that. Now, did you kind of realize that going in? Had you seen what was happening to other guys who'd been in the ultimate fighter and done well? This was a huge platform. I mean, that 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 put you like five years ahead of what any other guy who was fighting in the UFC before that had to do. So this was a big platform. Did you see it like that? Mm, not really. I saw it more as an opportunity to get in, to go up against the, you know, the best guys. Okay. You know, and um, again, I come from a sport to where. You know, especially in my day, it was do your job. Winning will take care of it, you okay. know, and people know you because of that. So, Chris, you're talking about a guy that's got four fights right now. So his <laughs> second fight is against a 22-year-old Brandon Melendez, who has 30 fights to his record at that time. Wow. And Gray wins a, a real tough fight. I mean, it was, it was not an easy fight, and Gray finishes yeah. him. In the second round by guillotine. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was one of those durable guys who have been around the block and and uh you but know you're fighting your finish. Yeah, yeah. He was crafty. So from there he goes and fights somebody, and we're gonna go one at a time on these because they're they're fantastic. You the winner goes to the finals, and in your mind, you're probably already there. And you run into a, another very tough and durable superstar now, Nate Diaz. Yeah. yeah. Um, what happened with that is we were going two rounds, right? And I get kind of, um, you know, I tell people all the time, your confidence comes from your preparation, right? If you prepare right, you can have all those boxes checked off in your mind conditionings there sparrings there whatever it is you can walk into that cage you're going to have butterflies but but you're not going to be nervous because your preparation you're confident and um you know just that that was the last um day of the tv show and um you know i really didn't feel as if i put in the time and the work that I needed to. And, um, you know, that was one of those to where, you know, I had the questions kind of in my mind, did I do enough? Did I, did I suffer enough? Like did, you know, am I ready to go? And then they hit us like, okay, this is going to be th uh, three rounds now. And then that's, oh, so you didn't know that. Head, like, yeah. That started playing in my head. Like, damn, you know, um, and went out in round one and, and uh, felt good and, and came well, your out. Your first punch and, cuts him open. Yeah. 
I guess. The first yeah. punch, and then it goes into a takedown. It, it cut Diaz open, right? Immediately yeah. he's bleeding. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, his guard was pretty easy to deal with. And, and um, you know, but but where Diaz is, is really tricky is in those trans, transitions. He's, uh, he's slick with that jits, you know. And we came out, I think, in round two, you know, and just had a little bit of a scramble. And, you know, he caught me in a guillotine. It seemed like you uh, hit a cardio wall. Yeah, maybe more mental. You know, I can usually okay. pull, you know, push through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I just didn't want to, you know, I knew it was going to be three rounds, you know, and maybe I started to pace a little bit more. Okay, let's yeah. just be smart. And, um, yeah, you know, he just caught me in the guillotine. You know, but I, but I, I went out of that you know, feeling as if, um, um, you know, I'm never going to let preparation um, play in my mind ever What again. was it? Yeah, what was it like living with Nate Diaz? He was actually really cool to me. You know, we would we would talk. He was on Jens team. I was on uh, DJ Penn's team. And uh, – we had respect for each other and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, um, yeah, we would talk a little bit, but. Was know, he talking just, shit to anybody in the house? Not to me. No, but he's, a, but he's like a different guy now. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, he, he would talk shit. Like, like I remember the first couple nights, everybody almost got into it, you know? And, um, and then everybody started to know, we had a backyard fight that we kind of egged on, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody kind of know, knew who would, you know, who the lions were, you know, and the lions, <laughs> stayed away. the lions stayed away from the other lions. And then we let the other guys, you know, kind of argue and, and, uh, you Look know, up the camera time, but maybe, yeah, maybe push them to get into a backyard fight. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that's prison. That, that's literally yeah. a prison yard. It yeah, really. We were is. just <laughs> looking for. We yeah, We were just looking for entertainment. I think. Oh. Huh. So, so who'd you put in there again? Who's matchmaking? What's going on there in the backyard? <laughs> um, that was against Noah. This guy Noah, and then also Noah's out of Colorado. And Noah then, Thomas. Yeah. And then this uh, this guy was kind of weird, but. Um, think his name was marvin mart marvin uh, or marlin marlin sims marlin marlin sims yeah gotcha. you know and they were kind of going at each other and we just we kept egging it on and uh you know i remember <laughs> the, the one guy got fight. an arm bar yeah i picked him up and slammed his hand like concrete it's like don't don't do an arm bar in a street fight brother you know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> i remember that it was awesome i think yeah, Danny came and yelled at you guys doing? afterwards for yeah. the fight on yeah, he he did a high kick right off the bat, I think, too, which was different in a street fight. <laughs> yeah, you don't see much of those. Wow. Yeah. So those fights that we just talked about technically don't count on Gray's record. So he makes his UFC debut at the Tough Fight finale against an 8-6 and six Rob Emerson, and technically speaking, you're 2-0. And, oh. and yeah. Gray, it's it's – one of the most bizarre endings to a fight 
possibly in UFC history. Would you mind walking us through it? Yeah, Rob Emerson, he was actually, uh, he was, like, we were pretty close on the TV show, and uh, he was. Was it intentional? What? Was it intentional that they put you guys together? Yeah, they probably did that, you know, but um, um, he he was a really talented, he was an athlete, Uh, he went up a lot, he went up against a lot of, uh, you know, good guys. Um, you know, he had some losses, but, um, his record didn't really show like how good he was. And, uh, you know, I took that seriously and, and, uh, trained hard for it. And I remember the last week, Joe Stevenson, he came in to help me out, you know, to do the weight cutting and to do the last little, um, kind of preparation and he had me picking up this heavy bag and slamming it like over and over. Okay. Okay. Boom. Boom. And I remember in the fight, having him up against a cage and picking him up because usually in wrestling, like we don't slam people. We take them down. Um, you know, it might be kind of hard, but I picked him up and I was like, Oh, this is just, this is exactly what we drilled. And I slammed him, not taking into account that it's not a heavy bag, a round, girthy, heavy bag. It's a human being. And, uh, you know, I just slammed him as hard as I could. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that canvas, that canvas hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit my forehead. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely not out, but I was, I was rocked. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, this is what think, it feels like to be rocked. I think, <laughs> you know, I think I the birds were flying around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> trying to get up, and my body just wasn't doing anything. I was just like, oh, my God. Wow. So, but so. that's half my paycheck, right? You know, so, uh, yeah, it I gets, was kind of pissed. Just, just to kind of frame it properly. Yeah. Grace slams, great Grace slams Rob Emerson, and Emerson bellows in pain when he hits the mat, and he's like, ah! and the referee stops it. Except Gray hit his head so hard that he kind of flops over, and it's ruled a no contest because they're saying Gray knocked himself out. You know, while Rob Emerson, you know, audibly tapped. Yeah, and. Yeah. You know, afterwards, Joe Rogan's interviewing Gray, and it's it's not a good, it's not a good thing when somebody's been concussed to interview him. And <laughs> Rogan, you know, has done that on several occasions, and, and you know, he knows that he he admits he should. He doesn't but, like to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes he gets caught up in it, and and this is one of the examples. Like Tiki Goshen's another one. He probably shouldn't have interviewed you based on the fact that I mean, dude, you 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 got cracked. You got cracked hard yeah. on the campus. Here's the thing. I knew exactly what I was saying. I was lying through my teeth, you know, because you had to. Yeah, I had to. I'm I'm, that's half my money. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, you know, and it's it's not a win, which I want to win. You know, you're looking at it like an attorney. Like if you're an attorney, your client may have killed 50 people. But he's innocent, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. that's the game. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you really look they at it. They were asking for self-defense. 
that's your only play is to go, no, no, no. I won. I want my hand raised. Give me my money. Yeah. Fight of the I night. Think I said, bonus. Yeah, I remember, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, no, I was just tired. I was, I, I was just tired. I was trying to get that. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, nobody's lying through my teeth. Uh, I hate losing. I hate draws. I hate, I hate all that. Well, yeah. I, well let's look at your corner. You had Joe Stevenson and you also had, had Corey Hill in your corner. Corey Hill. I, th- I thought no, I saw that's Corey Jay Hill in your Huron. corner. Jay Was Huron. it Jay Huron? Okay. Yeah. My fault. My fault. My Jay fault. Huron. Um, and yeah, um, he was always in my corner. He was, I, I, uh, I got to it. It's true. He is. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's so one of those guys that was, that was one of the best guys in the room that I ever worked with. He is just, he was always, but his career just never panned out. You know, he just, the choices he made like career wise, you know, you could just never see him get that that um, credit, you know, that he deserved. Hmm. People were afraid to fight Jay Heron, though. Oh, Jay yeah. Heron, is it true that he would run guys out of the gym at Extreme Couture? Oh, yeah. oh, he was a beast in the gym. A <laughs> beast. Yeah, he was, he was uh, you know, he's probably one of the best guys I ever worked with in the gym. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how soon after the, you know, this fight were you back in the gym? Because you may have been concussed. Oh, I grabbed my coach and we hit, we hit mitts in the back room for about an hour. I was so pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think you habitually overtrained. (laughs) Ron Mm -hmm. Frazier. I remember, you know, like getting up to that room. I was like, just, screaming or whatever i was like get up get up i gotta hit mitts i gotta fucking get a workout in <laughs> wow so yeah. gray's got all this pedigree he's got all this hype on the independent grind no one will fight him you finally get you know you make do the reality show you've you know you get the infomercial in regards to who you are there's your ufc debut and it doesn't work out the way you want it to so your next fight, September 19, 2007, you have you have to make a statement. Like if you're Gray right. Maynard and like you're that right. alpha guy, this yeah. is like this is it. Like this is your debut all over again. And mm-hmm. you fight yeah. Joe Varens. Yeah. I, I got I got one I got one quick question though. You you come up out of the reality show, you're not the reality show champion. You didn't win the the, the contract that they gave away. Like, what do you fight? What, what, what'd you get paid for Emerson? Like, if you don't mind. Probably like eight and eight. Okay. Yeah. So good. Wow. So eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't cut it in half. They wouldn't cut your win bonus in half. Split it between you guys. Uh, no. no, that's not how no. it works. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, it, a, a draw, you're gonna a get... draw is a savings of money for the promoter. Yeah. They're going to get exactly what that contract says. They're not going to give you extra, man. I mean, they're just going to – this is what it says. Yeah. yeah. So they September did, 19th, They, did, they did give us our win bonuses when me and Edgar fought to a draw. Because that was a – Championship fight. That was a pretty yeah. damn good oh, fight. Oh, you know we'll how much that. money they've you, – you know how much money they've made off 
just that fight probably <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. so yeah. S- september 19th you, uh 2007 you've got ufc fight night you fight joe veras what's your mindset going into that fight yeah just make a statement um you know of course i want to make a statement but just just have my hands ready just have uh, you know again it's it's the constant process of me just getting better at MMA, right? You know, I was dealing with like a couple tools and then just adding a couple more tools, getting my hands better, you know, um, you know, and that's, that's what you get confident uh, from is, is your preparation. And I was working on my hands. I was, you know, I just had time to, to kind of hone my skills a little bit more. Quick, quick question here. At this point, have you, have you already had um, your nickname? And if so, who gave that to you? And is it, is it just basically your wrestling style, just bullying people around or how'd that all come to me? Yeah. So um, in college, I rescued a bull terrier and um, he was, he was kind of mean. We used to play this like uh, soccer game preseason and he would play with us and he would just take people out because he only went for the ball like that's all he would concentrate on and uh, and in the wrestling room it was it was hard um, it was hard for me to get guys to train with me because that's what I did you know I trained hard and and, uh, you know I kind of had a brutal style to where it was never a fun practice you know, to go with me. And, you know, that was kind of the joke. You guys are bullies, you know, because he was a bull terrier and they kind of made us, you know, they were kind of like, yeah, you guys are bullies. (laughs) So it kind of stuck. Okay. And, um, you know, I like, as far as when I get out of the room, you know, I'm probably one of the nicest guys, you know, I feel like I am, but, um, (laughs) once it's, once it's time to, to train and to do your job, like, let's go. Like, you know, I'm going to bully you. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I do, do whatever I have to do to achieve my goals. So with with Joe Barry's man, Greg comes in like a freight train. Knocks him out in nine seconds. It's the second fastest KO in the 155-pound division, which is arguably one of the most stacked. 155, 170 are the two probably most difficult divisions to compete in. And, you know, you, you, you made a statement. Like, you made that statement. Yeah. Yeah, I tried what, to. <laughs> was that your hey, did Joe Riggs was in uh, Barry's corner, and so was Drew Fickett. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of – it was kind of weird because – because it happened nine seconds and you know uh like i'm just never happy with any performance it's like fuck i wanted to get in there and work more you know i wanted i wanted to do more because you know i had like all these skills i was working on and (laughs) and you know i kind of left a little pissed like man i could have you know i could have worked more (laughs) that's funny So the UFC does him a huge salad, Chris. They send him the German national kickboxing champion and Dennis Seaver um, in January 23rd, 2008. 
I've noticed with the UFC, one of the reoccurring themes with you is they give you a lot of time off in between bouts. Yeah. What's the reason behind that? Um, you know, I never hounded them about getting in and, you know, trying to compete. Like, I just waited for, the, for you know, Joe to hit me up and, you know, tell me who I'm going up against just because that gave me more time to train. Were you dealing you know, with Joe Silva directly at that point? Yeah. Pretty much all the time. So you didn't have any manager, really, other than Couture from the beginning? Yeah. It was all me. Huh. That's interesting. Pretty much, yeah. Well, usually when you when you get out of the ultimate fighter, you're on that contract no matter what. A manager wouldn't help. Yeah. You. The only thing they could help with was sponsorship, but you're on like you're on their yeah. deal. It doesn't matter what manager's not going to help. Yeah. 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 True. So against True. Dennis Seaver, you you dominated the first round. And yeah. in the second round, it seemed like you kind of hit a wall. I, yeah. I mentioned it earlier in the interview. Do you think you may have overtrained for this fight? Yeah. Yeah, I ended up getting um, – I had a flu like that last, you know, two, three days. And, and um, you know, that's usually what happens when you – like when you overtrain and, um, you know, I got a flu and just pushed through it. Um, it was a good push. You know, again, I remember being pissed after that fight because it was because I did get tired and went home kind of on the couch for about two, three days, you know, throwing up still. And then, um, you know, just being pissed at myself like for that and hitting up Joe Silva because the person hit me up, like they're looking for an opponent for Edgar. And I remember being on the couch still, you know, and hit up Joe Silva. Like <coughs> I take that fight because it was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it was in April. So April yeah. 2nd, 2008, UFC fight night. And are you fighting full time at this point? Yeah. Because you're kind, you're making enough money to do it, but the time off in between, man, they're it's kind of hard to make ends meet. Like I could see you might be redlining every once in a while. Oh yeah, it's all the time. I mean, that's all you do, like when you're getting going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Frankie Edgar, it's he's you're five zero and one, and um, Frankie Edwards eight zero. And um, I think the wrestling and size was the deciding factor. Um, you yeah. win all three rounds. Were you surprised at, at, at how easy that fight was for you? Um, not surprised. Uh, I remember I broke my hand in round one. You know, and I, I, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, so I had to pull through that. But, um, you know, I just knew he was a goer. And, um, got my cardio prepared and, and just, um, you know, had a chance to showcase like what I've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <sighs> you know, and about it was a dominant time, performance. Like I was asking for, sh um, sh uh, Sean Shirk. You know, a lot. I was hitting up Joe Silva. Hey, give me Sean Shirk because that's what I wanted. I 
I wanted the best. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I wanted to go up against, you know, all the top guys. Yeah. You know, and when I heard that they couldn't get an, uh, they couldn't get an opponent uh, for Edgar, you know, I, I, I jumped on that. Yeah, I didn't hesitate. Okay, so you beat Rich Clemente, and then uh, March 7th, 2009, UFC 96, they put you up against an incredibly durable Jim Miller, who at the time yeah. was 13-1, and one, and his lone loss is against Frankie yeah. Edgar on the, on the independent grind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Clemente was, was – um, he was one of those guys who uh, – he was underrated, you know, and just just going through that fight, you know, how tricky he was, um, you know, uh, like I thought I would do better, but you get in there and it's like, ah, this guy's pretty good. So after that one, you know, I wanted to get in against a good guy and, and uh, Jim Miller, you know, he was a good name at the time and and um um you know i never really was worried about that you know um he was i think a your game guy. plan i think your game plan may have threw him off as well yeah maybe it did um you know i thought he was going to try to take me down more um i had just started working with a new boxing coach you know so um like i was really no, I was working with a new boxing coach with Edgar, and um, it's about Gil Martinez. Yeah, Gil Martinez. You know, and we started to click, and and um, you know, like I didn't really feel like anybody could, you know, take me down if I chose that, and you know, that's where I so, needed to get better was my striking and my boxing, and you know, I got a good coach, and and. Uh, it showed, I thought. Yeah, so great. Kept it on his feet the entire time. And I think it just, I think Jim Miller was perplexed. He's like, you know, <laughs> I got this friggin' stud wrestler and we haven't had 10 seconds on the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, you went out of your way to think Gil Martinez at the end, uh, the extreme couture boxing coach at that time. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's it kind of, you saw your game changing. Like you were leveling yeah. up. Yeah. at an already high level. And, yeah. um, you know, you were, you were kind of coming into almost like a championship stretch, so to say, in terms of, of, yeah. of how an athlete performs. Yeah. So you had your nine-second knockout against uh, Joe Veras, and you were, like, a little disappointed you didn't get the work in. Now <laughs> you've had a couple of decisions in a row. You're winning, but you're probably yeah. beating yourself up over not finishing. Am I, am I right? Am I getting your mindset? <laughs> yeah. Like I never really beat myself up over like a decision because, you know, I always felt like, like that's, um, you know, a stamp of like, look, I beat him all three rounds. Like, you know, I controlled him the whole time. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you really I, look at him too, he's 13 and one with his long loss against Edgar, like in Ma a show in Massachusetts, like, they were priming him. If he beats you, he's probably getting a title fight. You beat him, well, you solidified yourself. It almost had, like, two different outcomes for each of you guys, even though, like, that fight, I mean, that was – that's main event quality in today's UFC standards. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was a tough cat, man. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, they're not really doing you any favors because Roger Huerta is 20 wins, two losses, one draw. He takes a year off after losing to Kenny Florian. And his first fight back is at September 16, 2009 against yourself. And Roger Huerta at that time, I I mean, he kind of had that Conor McGregor type hype behind him yeah after making the cover of, of sports illustrated and man that, that's that, that was not an easy fight yeah they were a little pissed at him that's kind of why they gave him to me and um <laughs> yeah that he 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 kind of talked a little bad about um you know the pay and you know all that stuff and i remember joe calling me up and he's like you know i want you to break his arm and i was like all right well <laughs> I'll do my best, I guess. Do, do I get extra for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh that's how that was. They were pissed at him and and uh they definitely wanted me to beat him and and uh you know, I did, but again, he's one of those durable guys that you know, it's it's hard to put him out. <laughs> no. Well, his uh, pressure and combinations, I think, won the first round. Um, the second round, you had Gil Martinez. Uh, he made you kind of adjust your footwork. And yeah. it really, like, you listened to Gil. Like, you could tell the bond between you two was just, yeah. you guys were on the same page. And it was a close round, but I thought you won the second round. And the third round, did you, you hit him with a Kimura that looked like you took his arm completely out of its socket. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it popping and I told the ref, I was like, his arms popping, but you know, again, he's one of those durable kids that, that, um, you know, he doesn't go out easy and, you know, he, he scrambled out of it and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough fight. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, especially like when, when they're announcing the judges, and you hear what like, Cecil Peoples is one of the names. Yeah. To me, that's got to be frightening. Like, to me, that's got to be <laughs> yeah. one of the scariest parts of your fight. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it was a split decision, and I don't really understand how that was a split. Cecil Peoples, that's what I had to wow. say. Cecil <laughs> scored it. I mean, you're making the argument against yourself because Cecil scored a 30 27. Oh, for, really? for great. And it's just yeah. like, if I were to make an argument, maybe you lost the fight yeah. just based on his scorecard. Not even yeah. watching the fight. <laughs> yeah. And they put you in against your very next fight. They put you up again. Main event, UFC fight night, where you fight Nate Diaz. Now, he's really your only loss, even though it's not on your record from yeah. the Ultimate <laughs> Fighter. Was that in your head at all going into this fight? It was in my head to motivate me to to get up and run in the mornings to, you know, that was just, I was hungry. Um, you know, I asked for Kenny Florian, I think, and he said, no, we're going to do Diaz. And this is kind of when me and Edgar were up for, um, you know, a title fight. And you never look good against you know, Diaz. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to look good against him, but yeah. you know, it just motive. It, it was just, um, 
you know, more of an opportunity to get back a loss and, and, uh, to come in prepared and, and, uh, you know, come in with cardio. Um, you know, I kind of got a little, um, you know, kind of got a little emotional, like in there, just, just wanting to beat him, wanting to kind of take his head off and, and, um, you know, just get that loss back. And, and, uh, you know, I don't think I was, um, uh, you know, calm, cool and collected. It was more, well, you guys were talking you know, a lot aggressive. of shit to each other. You guys are talking yeah. a lot of shit to each other. Yeah, yeah in the yeah. ring or after oh, in the yeah, ring. In the in the ring. In the ring. Because you know, he talks shit. <laughs> so I was talking it back. You know. So, so did that start at weigh-ins or was it just once the fight started? Nope. Just once the fight started. That's interesting. I figured it yeah. would have been at weigh-ins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he um no, just in the cage, I think. Yeah, Do you remember what no, even if it was was like you're like a bitch or you had that terrible takedown? What was it? What was it saying? Do you remember anything or not really? Yeah, not really. Just come on, bitch. You know <laughs> that type of shit. <laughs> well, were you worried about getting a slap? Because something when he's disrespecting someone in a fight, he slaps him. And did you the Stockton slap? <laughs> no, I think he was. He was. Uh, you know, he knew that I was. You know, in Seriously. there for blood as well. You know, so um, and here's the yeah. thing. Let's like let, let's talk about just the elephant in the room. You got a stand. You got a wrestler here that stood and traded with Nate for the first two rounds. It was 100 percent stand up. And Gray Maynard won those rounds one and two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you dropped him with a knee in the second round. And then like in the third round, I'd say Nate won most of the third round. But yeah. towards the end, you're connecting and coming on strong again. So yeah. like that, one of Diaz's biggest, the Diaz brothers, their biggest weapon is their cardio. And yeah. you're, you're beating them with his own secret move. Yeah. Yeah, no, I came in prepared, you know. Um, you know, and then at the end, I'm pretty sure I clipped him pretty good to where he tried to, sh he tried to take me down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's towards the end. Yeah. So he, here's the thing at this part in Gray's career. So April 10th, 2010, BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar fight for the title. Was that bout ever offered to you? No. Um, they, they told me that because Edgar went up against a guy named Matt Veach. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, and kind of ran through him. And then I went up against, you know, Diaz. Yeah. So, um, you know, that kind of baffled me. You know, I beat Edgar and then, you know, he jumps, he jumps a line to get the title yeah. shot, you know, going up against a guy that he was in the USC for maybe four fights, five fights, you know. Now, you were also calling out BJ Penn. It, I, do you think sometimes the UFC will put you up against your friends, like you know you we've addressed in several of these podcasts, in order just to kind of create a little conflict or knock you off your square? Do you think they had that idea with you and BJ, being that they knew you came in like first training with BJ for a fight? Um, 
you know, it's it's really hard to tell like what they're thinking and and how they're doing things because, um, you know, again, like I really thought that was my title shot. You know, I just beat Diaz. Um, you know, I beat Edgar, and they gave it to him. <laughs> That's crazy. Is, is that is that yeah. like the first time that like, you started, or were you worried before about how they were going to handle you because? I wasn't really worried just because I was like seven and oh, eight and oh, you know. Um, and you know, it, it was just keep plugging away, keep winning, you know, and they can't deny me. So, Frankie beats BJ twice, and you know, with yourself, you could have just stayed idle and probably gotten a title fight. But instead, August 28, 2010, UFC 118, the, you fight Kenny Florian in Boston, like in yeah. his hometown as the main I event. Love I love that. Yeah. Does that yeah. motivate you? Is that, is that something that pumps you up, like, to go to Boston? Yeah. In there? Oh, of course. Of course. Well, um, it's good to know, be moved. I love doing that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> so... Like I was asking for Florian a long time ago, um, just because you know I didn't really um, respect him as a fighter, you know, and you know, I just wanted to to go up against him. He had well, a big name. Well, was it more? Was it his mouth or was it his technique? Because it could be either. You know, I guess it could be either. He seemed kind of cocky. He just uh, seemed a little cocky and, a little and um, yeah. yeah, a little arrogant. You know, he might be a good guy. I don't know him too well, but um, yeah, Sam Stout you know. told us he wasn't in his interview. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, but I love Stout. He's he's probably one of the best guys, you know, ever. I know that guy. Yeah, he's good you know, people. He's, yeah, he's my brother. But I think in this instance, too, Chris, what you really got to look at is like the intangibles. Kenny Florian, stud jujitsu player. I don't think anybody doubts his, his credentials, but he's never finished anybody off of his back. He's not going to get great. You know what I mean? It's a bad style for, for, for Kenny. Florian, I think. Yeah. I mean, in his hometown. For you. Yeah. I'd have probably said, do we got anybody else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it were me, I'm just saying. <laughs> We were talking about some of the intangibles about how, how Florian had never submitted anybody off of his back in MMA, even though he's got high-end jiu-jitsu, and he's got a stud wrestler that's going to be just hovering over him probably for three rounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I was working on a lot on um, uh, striking, of course, but um, just more on control, too, control on top. and. Um, uh, it was just really one of those those uh, fights to where it was kind of easy, you know, and, and I didn't really have to take a lot of chances just because there was a title fight coming up. You know, I just wanted to go in there and control him and, and, and just, um, you know, kind of make him understand that, that uh, um, he had no chance. All right. So the one thing that stands out in this fight is, Gray, you had like a pair of, of boxing trunks on and 
all of your sponsors that were on your trunks were flying off. Like they just, they weren't adhering well. And I, there are several times in the fight, I thought maybe you like you lost your mouthpiece and it's Yamasaki just picking up your sponsor uh, tags. Yeah. Those were the days, man, when uh, you would try to get sponsors, your manager would try to get sponsors until the very last day. And, and uh, we were scrambling, uh, you know, to get it all put on and, and uh, yeah, that's it's like I you used double-sided like tape. It was like you used double-sided <laughs> tape. Just whatever we had to do. The check's cleared, though, which is good. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Florian trained with uh, Faraz Ahabi for this bout, yeah. Yeah. which is generally the kiss of death for wanting a finish, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, soon after that, they parlayed you into the main event at UFC 125 against Frankie Edgar, which is, is it the UFC Hall of Fame? That I fight? Yeah, probably not just because it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know how that is. Like, if you're looking at like a UFC shortlist for fights that need to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Yeah. You're about with Frankie Edgar at 125. Um, yeah. It ended in a draw, and it was right after he fought BJ Penn twice. Um, why don't you walk us through that first round? Uh, first round. So I changed up a lot that camp. I actually hired on a good strength and conditioning coach. Um, he was actually with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the time. He worked with me in college. He uh, trained, he was a coach at Athletes Performance. And um, uh, and then he went to the Broncos when they won the Super Bowl. Just a really smart guy. And he was working with Brock Lesnar. But, um, you know, he called me up. He's like, dude, let's work together again. You know, and I was like, all right, cool. Because I felt like I, wa- like I was kind of hitting a plateau in my training and you know I was really overtrained a lot walking into a lot of uh of uh fights you know just kind of lethargic not lethargic but just pushing through and and you know I just didn't feel like I was getting the most out of um how much I was training and um he came in and and he looked at my schedule from my past camps and he was like, what are you guys doing? Are you guys idiots? Like that amount of work is stupid. Like you, the human anatomy can't, can't do that. Sustain. <laughs> you know? yeah. Great. Yeah. You have like, I always have the mentality. I, one of my buddies used to fight with me, Alex Taylor. He went to one of the thing called Orange Theory, and I've never been there. But they say like it keeps you right in the right spot the whole time. And he got right. done. He's like, I don't feel like I did anything. He's like, when we'd go to the gym and train, if you yeah. don't leave 100 percent exhausted, like you don't have anything left, you didn't work yeah. hard. Is that how you yeah. do things? Just go as hard as you can every time. Yeah, I mean, I was going max heart rate every day, two times yeah. a day, and and uh, <laughs> you know, and and. At the time, you know, this was 2010-ish, you know, like 
boxing coaches and jujitsu coaches aren't really good with human anatomy and, and probably don't have the degrees in like, you know, physical science and, and just, um, you know, we were, we were still training like, you know, Neanderthals. Um, we're like, we're like Rocky but, four, you know, we're trying yeah. to do this. I mean, yeah. so what you're saying is that's not good because I never quit doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, he just tried to organize my camp, right, to where there was a little bit of um, peaks and valleys and, and just tried to make it to where – You had rest. You know, I, what? <laughs> you had rest. Yeah, rest. And, Everyone's and, and you peak at the right time. <laughs> yeah, and, and get the most out of it, you know, like okay. all your training and, and coming in feeling good and, and pulling back a little bit in order to get ready to do that next push and, and more, more of block training, you know? And, um, so getting through that camp, it was really stressful because a lot of the coaches who I worked with weren't buying into it and they were stressing me out. Like this guy doesn't know about fighting. He's a football, you know, strength and conditioning coach. And, and he was basically doing a lot of the stuff that the USCPI is doing now, right? And and was he, he right? What would you say he was right in his handling? Yeah, oh of yeah, you? he was. He was completely right. But when you have people in your ear, you know it's stressful, man. You have to make all these people work, and and you know we're we all have a common goal. And when a person, uh, when we have a routine, um they were getting a little pissed off because we were changing up that routine and, and we were bringing in the new guy that, cause, cause I love training and I love learning about training and I love, um, you know, doing that. Like I've always done that. And I just, um, kind of felt as if I got to a point to where, you know, I was plateauing. And um, it probably wasn't the smartest idea to to change up for a title fight because it was really stressful and there was a lot of sleepless nights of like, am I doing enough? You know, coaches in my ear. And but but at the end of the day, I was ready to go that night. But um, you know, and he had me feeling like great to where it was like how do I, how do I feel like this good on fight day? Cause every other fight day, it's like, all right, come, up. come on, wake up legs, wake up, wake up. You know, uh, you're kind of drained. You're, you're, you're happy to have the camp done with. And, and uh, you know, it was just, it was a different feeling. And um, you know, I came out and I was quick. I was poppy. Um, you know, and I caught him on a left hook and, you know, and what happened was, you know, that adrenaline dump that Uh. got the title fight. I, you know, I got the belt and I mean, just throwing all those power punches. If I didn't work with him that camp, I would have been completely gassed out, but I recovered so quick, you know, that. I could come out in round two, like any other time, like I probably would have been dead the whole fight. Well, here, let's round one. 
uh, round one, did you trap Frankie three times or four times? Maybe like three, definitely three. Three and a half, four, maybe. Yeah, we'll go yeah. half. <laughs> what are, Mike, yeah. do you have – what does that go down in the book? Was that a 10-7? No. It, it, it was a 10-8. I looked at the scorecards. I've got, I've got everything. It should have been 10-8 across the board. And, 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 Chris, any other any other referee would have stopped that fight. Oh, I remember watching it, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mar- Yves Levine, and who was the referee, and Mario Yamasaki are the only two people that wouldn't have stopped that fight. Every yeah. other referee on the UFC roster would have stepped in and said, that's it. This is a slaughter rule. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's 10 nothing in the first inning. The kids go home. This Little League game is over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it was. Yeah. And, and um, you know, hindsight, you know, there really is no 10-7 round if, like, if that's Could have been. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Could have been 10-6. Why, why do they even have a 10-point must if, if you don't ever give out a 10-7? Uh, no. You know, if you look at the Pacquiao against Juan Manuel Marquez a long time ago, where, like, Pacquiao dropped him three times in the in – the, um, in round one and then like Marquez had to come all the way back it was like a 10-6 round yeah yeah. every time he dropped him and he had to come all the way back to get that draw now now, I know that's one thing they've talked about with the MMA they talk about more the criteria of what constitutes a 10-6 what constitutes a 10-7 and 10-8 I mean because they're not doing it right and it's exactly what you're talking about I mean you get these judges, and they're not really – I mean, it's, it's a rarity that this would ever happen, so they don't understand it. But if you get knocked down more than once, it, it can't be a 10-8, you know what I mean? unless, well, unless well, the other guy wins a round, you know. I, I, yeah. think what the, I think what the general point is, and I don't agree with it, and, you know, it sounds like you don't, but if you do lose a 10-6 round in MMA with three or five-round fights, you can't even sure. make it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost yeah. should be almost like half-point system. It should almost be done to a half-point. But yeah, to Frankie Edgar's corner's credit, he gets back to the corner at one of the ugliest rounds where they should honestly be thinking about throwing a towel in. But rather than that, they calm Frankie down and they say to him, he's gassed. There's no way he's not gassed. Do you remember what your corner was telling you at that time? Um, No, no. I remember just having pins and needles all over my body. (laughs) <laughs> that was yeah. It was just the adrenaline dump, the the ex, you know how much effort you know I put out. It was um, it was definitely one of those the most tired I've ever been. But when I went out in round two, um, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I was going to coast a little bit. But um, what happened was like, wow, you know, I'm recovering pretty quick. You know, he still won round two, but um, he appointed you. He appointed you. Yeah, yeah, he appointed me. Now, in in round one, in round one, at some point, obviously, you were hitting him and and he was shooting in on you. Did he wasn't shooting in on him? Well, you know, I mean, he was doing somersaults backwards. Well, (laughs) he did some of those too, but no, there were a couple of times. Like, I'm just asking, did you feel it? Like, how close were you, do you think? Because, like, was he feeling weak? 
I thought I, I thought it was done, you know, but um, he was doing a great job of like maybe, you know, holding on to a leg and kind of recovering a little bit, but then he would stand up and I would knock him down again. I mean, you know, it just, in the back of my mind, I'm like, what, what's going on here? I thought, this is done. This is it done. That no, frustrating. This is done. This is done. No, it's not. Yeah. Was, was your corner yelling at the referee to stop the fight? You know what? I, I don't know. Shit, he should have been. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So in between rounds two and three, you got Randy and Gil Martinez literally in, in, in Gray's face. Forget the power. Forget the power. Just yeah. pace yourself. Just just volume, volume, volume. And yeah. um, you know, I mean, you you didn't really listen too much to that. You did a little bit, not not yeah. fully. Yeah. But you know, you all positioned them. I thought I thought you I thought you won a third round. Um yeah, I, I thought you won. And, and you know, I, I think Frankie Edgar's corner also thought that he had won. And when I looked at the scorecards, two judges gave that round to Frankie Edgar, one gave it to yourself. And then coming into the fourth round, Frankie Edgar like outpointed you on all three judges' cards. And in the fifth round, two judge, judges gave it to, to yourself um, and won him. And like the one judge, like if he would have scored, um, like the lone judge that scored the round to Frankie Edgar, right. had he scored that fifth round, like with everybody else, it still would have been a draw. Yeah. So it's like, dude, I looked great. I looked over these cards after watching the fight, just thinking every single possible way how to get your hand raised. And yeah. even like the one round that I could, we could like justifiably swing just to kind of coincide with the other two judges, yeah. it would have made his card a 47 47. Like it, yeah, he still would have got a draw. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, um, you know, hats off to him. He, 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 um, you know, he's a tough competitor, and I love going up against him. Well, let's talk about, like, what kind of a competitor he is. You guys were both disappointed in listening. I mean, it's it's a shocking outcome. Like, it's it's something yeah. that, like, it's scripted for, like, a movie, and it doesn't really happen in real life. And you're on the receiving end of it. You're just like, well, what happens? Yeah. They give Frankie the belt. Frankie takes the belt. Throws it behind him on the ground. Doesn't even hand it to his corner going, I didn't deserve this. Like, you had yeah. two guys that would never, ever in their lives ever accept a participation trophy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think if the roles had been reversed and you were the champion at that time, you probably yeah. would have done the same thing. Oh, I would have been pissed as well. Yeah, they would have threw the belt down. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Get an extra. You know, because it yeah. wasn't a win. You know, it wasn't a win. And, and he kept the belt. And, you know that's how he is. He's uh, uh, he's a warrior. He's a competitor, and, and that's how you are. That's why I like going up against him. Yeah, that's how you are. Yeah. yeah. All right. So May twenty eighth, uh, your rematch got canceled because both of you two got injured. Yeah. Okay. That's the question. Um, yeah, they told me he had to pull out. Um, they wanted to offer me showtime. Anthony Pettis non-title um, and I was going through a couple injuries in that camp it was a rough camp I had just gotten cut close about halfway through it was a pretty big cut couldn't really spar 
elbow was bothering me. Um, you know, just a lot of stuff, not really, you know, going smoothly. And, um, you know, I just opted out, um, and got surgery on my elbow and, mm. uh, just kind of healed up. Okay. So the trilogy between you and Frankie Edgar, um, takes place at UFC 136, October 8th, 2011. How was your camp going into that fight? Yeah, uh, the camp was, was, um, you know, a little chaotic. Um, you know, I ended up leaving extreme couture yep. halfway through the camp. Wow. Um, yeah. rented out a gym, you know, on my own, brought in a couple partners and, um, you know, me and my, me and my boxing coach, we kind of had a falling out. He was still in my corner, but, um, you know, we kind of knew like where it was going. And, uh, you know, I just left the gym. I just was like, well, like you know, I don't want to deal it, with it. Here, it's real easy in situations like that to point fingers at other people. Yeah. Tell us about yourself. Like, what was, was your reasoning based on yourself? My reasoning? Um, you I mean, know, that, that bringing... just, that, that's a kind of key on them, just yeah. like where you're at. Well, you, you also seem like a, you, you, a, a career, lifelong competitor. You're yeah. really smart about your training. Now here's a rematch that's really important. I think you know it's not a great time to change camps, but you did it anyway. What, what, why would what, – what was – it had to be something powerful. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the type of guy where, um, you know, you can't adjust the wins, but you can adjust your sales. So – you know, that was going on. And like, I don't like, like I kind of feed off of, um, you know, difficulties my whole life. Like, like that kind of drives me. And, you know, I felt like I'm not going to tell him to leave the gym or, you know, I'm not going to go to the gym and, you know, get in like arguments and stuff or whatever it is you know, I'm just going to leave, you know, I'll like, I'll figure it out. And, you know, I tried to, and, and, um, you know, and again, I was prepared and he, you know, he did clip me maybe like halfway through the camp. Uh, I ended up throwing out my back, you know, me and my boxing coach, um, he had me sparring a bunch and, and I really wasn't prepared to go that many rounds in practice, like sparring, I ended up throwing out my back. I was on the bed for about a week and a half. And then I had to get a, like a nerve block, you know, oh. put in my back. And, and, uh, after that, you know, I just left. I was just like, I'll, f I'll figure this out. And I, there was a small gym up close to my house and I just went there around the times that, you know, people like weren't there and I would bring in a couple guys and just try to train on my own. Hmm. What yeah. kind of money were they giving you for, you know, your, your main event status? So, um, walking into the draw, the F Frankie Edgar draw, I was on a 26 and 26 contract. Yeah. 
And so <laughs> walk get to the- that. What? They don't, so you don't even get all that because it was a draw. Ugh. Yeah. Well, walking to the cage, like I probably spent about 26 grand on my camp, <laughs> just the coaching, the, the whatever I had to do to do, you know. So, so walking to the cage, I'm, I'm stressing a little bit. Like, man, if I lose this fight, like I'm going to pay to be in here. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, there goes my you know, I, there goes my Netflix account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, you know, I was a little a little pissed off about that, but um, you know, again, you get the backroom bonuses. They gave me my win bonus as well, and Edgar the win bonus on the draw. I had one fight left on my contract after that, and. Um, you know, we think we're in the driver's seat. You know, we gave them a great fight, you know, a title <laughs> fight. We're going for another title fight. My manager great story. Calls up Joe it's a great story. Yeah. My my manager calls up Joe Silva, like, or Joe Silva calls up him. He's like, hey, let's, let's re-up his contract because he only has one left. And we're, th- we're thinking, like, my buddy Ryan Bader's on, like, a, a – 60 and 60 contractors something you know close to that and you know we throw out a number and he's like nope 42 and 42 that's it (laughs) and then where were where was i gonna go though you know i had a title fight they knew that you know that they were buying out all the promotions you know the, the only guy you know the only people who were around were maybe Bellator, you know, you could have, you could have, you know, maybe did a run with King of the Cage. Oh, yeah. Come on, Mike. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so you, you did win at least, I mean, you won the fight of the night, I'm sure, for the other, your last one you were talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th- those were paying pretty good. So at least you get yeah, yeah. bonus yeah. that way, I guess. Yeah, it definitely helped. Um, you know, I got a big backroom bone. Well, <clears throat> I mean, big for me, you know, a yeah, hundred grand and it was phenomenal. It was, yeah. You know, still underpaid. You look at it, if still you look underpaid. at it, huh? Still underpaid. Oh yeah, of course. You look at the numbers and you look at all that stuff, but here's the thing is when you're, when you're training for a title fight, a main event pay-per-view title fight, and you're only guaranteed 26 grand. You know how stressful that is? You know how <laughs> annoyingly stressful that is? Like nuts. Yeah. Dude, your wife, your wife must have been looking at you going, you know, you could sell cars and make this in about you know three months and not have the issues that, if, that if, you're taking out. You're the best, if you're the best mortgage guy in a town, you're making <laughs> you know probably a million dollars yeah so so great when they had the Reebok deal how did that affect you sponsorship wise did you lose a ton of money as well oh yeah yeah you know um that was kind of that happened when I was on my way down um you know so it didn't really hurt me because I wasn't really main of event you know at that time so it wasn't a huge deal, but, um, you know, after I lost that title, 
then that's when I moved up to AKA. Right. Um, you know, Dana called me up and he wanted me to move up to AKA. I don't know if that was because he was trying to help me or he was pissed at Randy Couture because him and Couture were going through a lot, you know, at that time. Oh, yeah. So was he banned? That's actually one of my questions. Were you affected by the Randy Couture ban? Like, did they not allow him to corner you? Oh, no, that was after because I because I left the gym. He wasn't in my corner for that last title fight. You know, he was still my buddy and I loved him, but it was just, um, uh, you know, and he and then Gil ended up like leaving the gym anyways after that, you know, so it was kind of it was just weird, man. Just, um, you know, this happens. This happens a lot in MMA is coaches start getting big heads athletes start getting big heads and everybody starts button heads and and uh you know and then you got uh edgar who you know he had a great team like mark henry is uh he's a great coach and he'll he's work. a good delegator he delegates I mean, really well there's yeah. something to be said about you know you these super gems you know uh extreme couture and you got you know american top team and just Sanford, you got all these guys when there's so many good, talented guys. I can see there's got to be a lot of ego problems and whatnot. But you got some of these yeah. smaller gyms like Frankie's like when he has a camp, I'm sure the whole gym's about him and his camp. Yeah. It's not like these at some of these, like these big camps. There's eight guys with big fights coming up. So it's not all yeah. about them. So there's yeah. a lot of ego. It'd be, I think I've never been involved with a big gym. So, but yeah. it seems to me like there would be a lot more egos and a lot more problems there than when you got a smaller gym where. It's all about you, baby. I mean, we're setting this up for our whole camps about you. And if you're not in that, it'd be difficult, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were really a tight knit group, you know, Jay Heron, Pyle, and, and we all worked together. And, and, um, but the problem was there wasn't just one coach there. There was, you know, exactly. you had a bunch of coaches and everybody was kind of jockeying to be the, I can you know, see the that. head coach guy and, and, uh, There's only one you know, head coach. And I was, I was bringing yeah. in all these like, you know, different guys who had a lot of knowledge like that camp, you know, I brought in, um, like an Iron Man guy, like, uh, um, you know, to help with my low base cardio and, and, uh, you know, I was riding a lot of bikes and, and, you know, doing conditioning like that way. I mean, I'm just interested in all that and, yeah. you know, getting these new coaches, getting these new looks. And like, I assumed that my coaches were into it as well. And a couple of them were, they were, the, the, you know, it was interesting to them. Like, all right, well, cool. The, the, the thing about Randy, am I, am I wrong on time frame here? But the thing about Randy is, uh, maybe a younger Randy would have probably been right there with you too, because you know, he was yeah. a workhorse and stuff, but right around there, it's now, now he's in Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah, was that, yeah. is that really what happened? Is that, is that the long and short of it? Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't really on top of it. Jim wise about that time, you know, he was, um, you know, and everybody was kind of jockeying to be the head coach or to be the head guy there because, 
you know, you got your face out there a lot and, and you got to work with a lot of good athletes and, and there was just a big struggle going on, you know, within the gym. Still, everybody was, you know, great guys and, and we were a tight knit team, but, you know, um, it was, it was just. Is, I mean, is it, what it is, man. Hey, and Randy's Randy's defense, Randy's, somebody, somebody's got to do the Scorpion King three. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. No, hey, hey, you know <laughs> that's the thing is Randy too. When Randy leaves a guy like that with even in just MMA, right? Not to mention wrestling, but yeah, that's big shoes to fill. Everybody yeah. thinks they can do it, but not everybody's yeah. gonna gonna be able to. Yeah. Miguel, I think he definitely things, had his hands full with a lot. I, of I think stuff going on. I think the time frame at this time also. Has him and Kim Couture dating sugar free? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they, we're, they we're were saying a lot here. Splitting up about that time, I think. Yeah, yeah. They were splitting up about that time. He had a lot of stuff going on, and uh, yeah, it was just it was tough to have a title fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're saying time. we're not. Saying you know, and a lot. I just bowed out. That's how I am. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go to Randy. You know, because he's my boy, love the guy. You know, I'm not going to go to him and and say, oh, you know, get this guy out of here. Get this guy out of here. I'll just bow out. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll figure it out. And that's how I felt I could, you know, do it. Yeah. Everything was a mess at that time. You know, Randy and his relationship with Jim, you know, because he's getting pulled to the movies. Like, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, sometimes – life outside of the gym can affect all of the yeah. inner workings and moving parts inside the gym. And kind of that's, that's where it was, you know, and that's a good point of coming up under him. You know, I knew how much stuff he had to deal with, like every fight, whether it was a divorce or whether it was what, whatever it was, I felt like, I could do that too. If Randy can do that, I can do that. You know, I can just leave this gym if I have to and still win this title fight. You know, that was my mentality, wow. you know, and, and like I hindsight, you know, I would have gone back. I would have pulled out, you know, just because of the back injury, just because of, you know, not training, you know, halfway through camp for about, 10 days and, and just a lot of stuff adding up, you know, I would have pulled out, but you never know if you're going to get the title fight again. Yeah. So you had mentioned Dana called you about switching over to AKA. Right. How was your relationship with Dana at this time? I mean, I, you know, I did what I had to do to keep cool, like, like with him. And, um, you know, I mean, does anybody have a relationship with Dana? Yeah, they, you just get the company line. Yeah. yeah. Well, some I mean, guys would go, like, they go to, like, dinner with them and stuff like that. Were you yeah, part of that? he's always talking business, you know, regardless. And, and how many times have I heard a manager or a fighter, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in good with them. And then two fights later you know, they're pissed at him, you know? So, um, you know, I don't think anybody, they're going to do what they have to do to get what they want. They're going to do what's best for them. Always. Yeah. Always. Now, so, it, I, I was just going to mention, and maybe Michael slow me down, but 
with Couture, you probably got a little bit of the business end because Randy did it, you know, butt heads with the UFC a little bit. Yeah. And then you went, you, he sends you to AKA where he would have similar problems with AKA where it's, <laughs> the bottom line yeah. is, is if, if you're smart, yeah. like AKA has, a, you know, a head on their shoulders, you had that influence. Why did he send you there? You know, they got fits over there. I, I have no idea. And my problem was I should, you know, it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, he's the boss, man. I'm just going to do that. But I was on a 42-42 contract. Go to San Jose and live off $42,000 a year. Yeah, It doesn't fucking work. No. You know? And so that's kind of, you know, I won the Clay Guida fight, but then, you know, I lost and it was just new camps. And, and you know, I started to get into other stuff like remodeling a house and, and trying to flip that house. And, you know, because... Like I made decent money, but it's not the money that you you feel you feel like you're supposed to make being the best in the world, right? And and it's over. Like if you don't yeah. fight again, you better go start. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, a headhunter. Like a couple hundred grand, people are like, oh, a couple hundred grand. You know, that's that's good money. Well, how about the coaches? How about taxes? How about you know? Like at the end of the day, you got to pay your manager 10%, coaches 10%, uh, you know, your training camp costs, you know, your gym fees. I mean, it just, it adds up and, you know, a couple hundred yeah, grand. A, a nutritional coach, you know, at the next level, you talked about a strength and conditioning guy, uh, you know, that's, that's yeah, like I fought, I probably fought um, in a year, two title fight, two main events pay-per-view title fights and my 1099 from Zufa was maybe around two two fifty. Oh yeah then that's I, I kind of I bought those pay-per-views. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know you kind of get to understand or, or or at least see some of the thinking behind like the Fitch lawsuit that we talked about things like that. Yeah. You know it's like yeah. Have you, have you heard any about that? I know Fitch is saying like if you fought in that in that time period after 2010, like you're gonna get some money at some point. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but yeah, what they're doing is uh 2010 to 2017. Um, you know, they're trying to go after the USC because they created it's called a monopsony. Yeah, not monopoly, it's a monopsony, and um uh, you know, just basically saying that that they took away, you know, all the competition and our ability to uh, get fair deals because, um, you know, they they created it that way, you know. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Well, what do you think? How much you want? You know, how much you think? Hey, this is my number. Nope. It's going to be forty-two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And. <laughs> You know, and then um, what was Frankie making? I think Frankie um, on the f- on the first title fight against BJ Penn, he was at fifty and fifty. Okay. Yeah. 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 At least give me even. Make it even. I mean, yeah. everybody's their own case. The bottom line is Frankie's in New York. I'm sure Frankie's got the same 
problems that Gray has getting through a campaign. Yeah, everybody, and stuff. that's not great money. You know, eight eight thousand more. Yeah. It, you, you know what the key work? is? Mo- moving to Indiana, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, so great. What was it like rolling? You know, and he, pitch. Here's the whole deal with me. Um, you know, I was pretty smart with my money. Like, you know, I had kind of nice cars. Nothing crazy. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I had. You know, I splurged, and it was like a car that's like 38 grand okay yeah but um you know like i put a lot of my stuff away in the real estate and i i Mark. lived more broke than i could have you know but in the long run you know it paid off yeah. just being smart it. putting it into retirement and then once you calculate that so you know uh 200 200 grand you pay your managers you pay your agents you pay you know pay 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 then you put stuff into retirement then you put it into a little real estate then you put it into wherever you have then you're living off like 40 grand a year trying to great great you're you're literally probably less than one percent of the entire fight community that is responsible enough to do that and it's because you you got a you got a family and yeah. you're, you're not a big drinker and you know, you're not yeah. uh, using drugs. Yeah. Not that yeah, we know I, of. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just never felt like, like I could be flashy because we're not getting paid flashy money. Great. Now, if I thought about this was what I'd like to see the UFC do, you know, I know this lawsuits are doing as great, but you know, when they sold for 4.2 billion, take that point two or whatever. And, you know, if somebody fought in the UFC 10 times, they get some form of a small pension. If you fought there right. 15 times, you get a little more, maybe, maybe 3000 a month. You know, if you fought yeah. 20 times, you get 4,000, something like that. That's how the NFL, you know, the more, you know, if you, if you're invested, if you were there for, you know, th- three full seasons, you get a certain amount. Now we don't do seasons, but if you fought there three times a year for four years, that'd be, you know what I mean? That that's, yeah. that's something fought 12 times, 15 I would yeah, love to tenure. see like that where people who, who people yeah, people who actually I hate seeing fighters who fought there for 15 times and they're broke and they're and they're still out trying to, you know, do seminars right now to, to get by to live. And that that's yeah. not right, man. They help build this organization. And that that would be very minimal. The UFC could put a big thing in, in like escrow account, they could get interest off and just pay people with the interest for the next 30 years. I think they should do something like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's everybody's opinion, but, um, you know, they're not going to do that because they got number crunchers and they want them, they want to make the most they can, which, you know, I think it's going to bite them in the butt in the long run, you know, yeah. they just, they just got that class action passed. Uh, it, it was probably about a year ago, you know, to where it is going to trial or yeah. whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, that, that, that's my thought. Like I'm saying, I think they're going to pay more in the long run. And, and to me, it'll be the same problem. You're going to give a bunch of fighters, here's a check for 100000 Well, they'll, they'll go buy a new jet ski or boat or whatever the hell they'll buy, and they'll still be hurting. And then they, and two years later, they'll be hurting again. I'm like, man, set yeah. some up where they get money yeah. you know, every month. Not, not a lot, but something to take care of these people, man. It is, uh, I think yeah. it makes sense, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. You know, and, and here's why I f- – why I feel like 
the UFC sold for for four and a half billion dollars was um, there's no rules. You make the rules. There's no laws protecting us. Yeah, we have to. We have laws Monopoly. to protect us with like blood blood tests and, yeah. and and whatnot. But there's they make the rules. If they could get a guy to fight for a hundred dollars on a main event pay per view, they could do that. There's no rules against that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it it wouldn't look good. But um, you know, that's, that's that that was the purchase price. You know, I th- I think it was because of that that it was a high purchase price. You make the rules. I mean, come on. You know? So let's 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 kind of come full circle here. AKA, okay. you start with yeah. the new gym. AKA, do they accept you right away, or do you have to kind of go through a yeah. gauntlet? So I fought Clay Guida, and um, you know, I like I wanted to 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 still do my own like type of training. You know, I definitely went into AKA to spar. Everybody was great. It's a top notch gym. I. I, you know, I love all the guys there, but, you know, at the time I just wanted to do my own thing. I had just gotten out of a gym, just gotten out of a crazy breakup with, you know, a coach, you know, I didn't want to jump back into like a person controlling me or what I thought, you know, might be. And Blake Guida was a weird fight, um, you know, and then, the guys that, you know, and I was jumping all over the place, like all over the Bay Area um, to get training here, to get training there and to go to AKA. And then, you know, after the Clay Guida fight, um, you know, they kind of <laughs> talked to me um, like, hey, we feel like you need to be training here more. And, you know, I did. And that was the TJ Grant camp. And um, that TJ Grand Camp, it was basically me and John Fitch. We fought about the same time. He was going up against Josh Berkman, and I was going up against TJ Grant. They thought John Fitch is a great TJ Grant look. I'm a good Josh Berkman look. You guys spar three times a week, basically. and we 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 did i mean it was eight weeks of bob cook actually he made an announcement after one of our like sparrings and um he was just like he told the team he's like you guys wouldn't believe the sparring these guys had and you know just like day after day after day and he was just like you could sell tickets to this fight this is how you have to train and blah 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 and and we were just basically beating the shit out of each other i remember like just being um coming out of practice you know like (laughs) sparring john like what the fuck you know and he was too like i would rock him he would rock me and and uh, it was just it was a brutal camp in that aspect. And, you know, I'm always kind of curious if if that kind of played a little toll, you know, going into the fight, because um, 
you know, TJ Grand, he did a great job. He caught me changing to southpaw, you know, and he threw a right hand, like right down the middle. And, um, you know. Now, did me. you did you think it was a little bit of bad karma there going on, too? Because uh, Berkman called Fitch, if I'm not mistaken, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, dude, we battled that camp, me and John. I mean, you know, it definitely brought us closer together, but like, like, uh, you may have left something in the gym there. Yeah. We definitely left a little bit in the gym that far, that camp, uh, you, know, you know, AKA was kind of known for that. Like, yeah. Guys yeah. Having to pull out because they're injured. I mean, Bob cook, he never had a soft road for anybody. Yeah. And you know, I, I really feel like, um, they have the flexibility up there. They do spar hard, but they, they, they all were, you know, allowed to, to pull back a little bit, you know, to take a day off, you know, and to be smart about their training, um, you know, but me and John, we just never backed down like from a day of sparring with each other. You know, it was kind of <laughs> like we were, we, we would hobble in there at times, like already beat up, you know, and, and we would spar every round like like with each other. And uh, it was it was it was a brutal camp. So let, let's talk about the TJ Grant fight for a second. So it was UFC 160, May 25th, 2013. And this fight, whoever won it, was determined to have a title bout right after. TJ Grant is 20 and 5. He's on a four-fight winning streak, all at 155, and he came down from 170. You're 12-1-1, one, and, one, and, you know, it's probably the first time in a fight that you weren't the bigger of the two combatants. Right. Yeah, I mean, he might have been a little bit bigger. Um, you know, I know going into it, he was a durable cat. You know, it was going to be one of those, like, grinders. And, um, you know, I wanted to be prepared and that's kind of why I went with John, you know, day in, day out is, is he's a grinder and he's durable. And, and, uh, you know, I felt like it was a good look and it was probably too good of a look. <laughs> so, uh, TJ wins the fight and it's actually his Go last fight going into that. So, um, when I start when we started to fight, um, you know, like I remember just landing the heaviest punches I've ever, you know, landed in my life. Like I remember a couple of times I've like, I've faked an overhand, but came uh, with an uppercut Yeah, and just watching his eyes roll back a couple of times. Like there was times I was like, he's not even, uh, he's not there mentally, you know, and <laughs> I was landing the hardest punches, you know, it was bad. And, and, uh, you know, I pulled back because he wasn't going down. And about that time I switched to my Southpaw stance cause I was messing around with it. But instead of going, moving like forward, I moved back. And he might have saw that with my Clay Guida fight and he clipped me. But after that, I'm really, I'm pretty sure that 
from what I've heard is, is, um, you know, he, he got a lot of, he got a lot of problems like from that, that. Yeah. That yeah. That he fought, I, from those questions. You know? Yeah. I think he was, I think you were probably one or two punches away from making him quit. Yeah. And the concussion that he suffered in that fight ended his career. Yeah. Yeah. He never, he never fought again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was, he was, he was just hitting his, his groove too, yeah. you know, and I would have loved to have seen him, you know, Benson. keep going. Yeah. Um, Benson Anderson. Wow. You know, and that, wow. that, that changed me as well. You know, that changed my, you know, a lot of my uh, career, you know, just cause again, I wasn't used to getting half my paycheck and, and that's when I really started to, uh, um, like I remember going into that fight, I had to win to buy this house. Like I needed that, that other part of that check. Right. So I had to win to buy that house. And once I got, once I lost, like I still bought the house, I still figured it out. And, um, you know, that kind of put me in a hole, you know, just. Yeah, just you know, just stuff that we go through, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm no, just it's just it's the truth. You, it's like, your head up. Yeah, the life, the life that you live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a huge deal, or or you know, I wasn't. Of course, I stress about it, but you know, it's just kind of interesting the sure. backstory of like um, you know a training camp and you know, like number one contender fights and, and, uh, you know, it wasn't like we're making millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, right. I, made- I don't think anybody can understand the the pressure and the stress on that. I was telling people about the, like my worst, the worst thing of all time. When I fought for the, you know, the, the ultimate fight, when I fought Matt Sarah, whoever won that fight, got a title shot, but now that you got a hundred thousand dollar contract and hundred thousand dollars sponsorship. The loser basically got their show is like 10 grand. So you're looking at 200,000 plus a title fight, plus a car, yeah. plus all this. It's about $250,000 and the loser gets 10,000. Yeah. And I lost this and I lost a split decision, you know, and I had all yeah. these different plans and things, you know, we're going to do with this money and just the, uh, not just the pressure going into it, but afterwards the devastation that, you know, I mean, Oh man. Just the bottom dropping out on everything you've been thinking about for the past 10 years, you know, it was, it yeah. was, it was life changing, you know, and so I can I can totally understand what you're talking. That's just some people don't really even think about, and I I don't think it's fair. I mean, it makes a lot of bitter people out of this the whole situation that you're put in. I mean, not oh, many yeah. people in this career happy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I was I was fortunate enough after after that happened to me. That was right when bonuses were starting to come out, and I said. Dude, I mean, I've, I've lost bigger fights than this. I don't care. I'm just swinging for the fences and whatever yeah. happens, happens from now on. And after that, you I was able to win a bunch of bonuses. So <laughs> I got lucky, man. But you killed it with that. Well, yeah, with that. That, that was a goal that afterwards. Team. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did no, your thing for sure. But with I, that TJ Graham fight, we just had a baby, too. Oh. And we have the baby in our hotel room. And I'm trying to sleep for the fight. And the baby's up. My wife is oh. breastfeeding. Oh. And. And uh, yeah, it was it was good times, man. Fun, <laughs> good memories. Worth every second for your daughter listening. Every second was worth it. You couldn't imagine yeah, yeah. not 
wanting yeah. to sleep before a title fight. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to take hey. a, a minute to shout out TJ Grant, too. You're talking about a guy that recognized that, you know, something wasn't right, walked away from the sport, still in his 20s, on a five-fight winning streak. <clears throat> most, awesome. fighter, most fighters won't do that because they can't, like in yeah. terms of money or whatever. I don't know what his circumstances are, but my hat's off to him for, you know, making that decision. I, He's I, got his own gym. DJ's got his own gym now. Great guy. He is a great guy, and uh, he went to Still. work. You know, after that, to take care of his uh, family and and uh, you know just just a good human being. Yeah, yeah. More, more power to him. Smart decision. Smart decision. Good. Good. So, Gray, have you ever looked into like psilocybin or anything like that to help the neuroplasticity, like with yeah, with oh, your yeah. brain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, um, you know, I've been doing it for the past couple months. You've been really? microdosing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, and then, yes, I have been doing the microdosing. Um, my wife is a functional uh, practitioner, nutrition, medicine. So we're big in um, health. We're big in, into, you know, longevity. Uh, we eat, um, you know, a diet that helps, uh, you know, brain growth, brain recovery. Nice. We, we, you know, I do, um, there's this one thing right here. This is called uh, photobiomodulation. And you put this on your head and it's like red light. I'll show you real quick. Real quick. Did you say your wife's a functional what? A functional practitioner, like medicine, nutrition okay. practitioner. And that's basically, yeah, you put it on your head like that, and it's got the red lights, and then this goes up your nose, and it really helps with nice. inflammation of your brain. And, wow. And, um, yeah, you know, we take a lot of supplements geared oh, towards the uh, Man, good for health. you. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Love to yeah, see my wife. You know, my wife, uh, she graduated her master's degree and all that, you wow. know, how to heal people through nutrition, how to work with doctors, both um, uh, traditional and new new kind of medicine and, and uh, you know, how to heal chronic illness through other ways than just medication. And, and uh, yeah, wow. there's a lot of information out there and, and uh, she's a genius with all that stuff. And we're, we're big into, um, you know, health. We're big into how is the, uh, how is the psilocybin microdosing been helping you? You know, I never had problems with um, concussion stuff, concussion issues, but I've always cared about my brain health and I've always worked you know, on my brain health. So maybe that's why, but, um, you know, I do know that, um, it's supposed to help create new pathways, right. That get damaged through concussions and, and, um, you know, it's all pretty interesting stuff and, you know, I'm taking it. I'm not, I was never a huge guy who takes a protein powder and, 
it's like, oh my God, this makes me feel great. I love this. You know, it's kind of like, all right, this might help a little bit. And, um, <laughs> you know, but, but the microdosing, like I feel like when I do do the microdosing, I'm really focused, I'm concentrating. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, like the way, the way it, you know, just kind of gets your brain geared towards, um, you know, concentration, focus, and and uh, it's all interesting stuff. Yep. Nice. Hey, have you ever tried stem stem cells? Anything like that? I never tried stem cells. I um, did a procedure once where it took my stem cells, you know, and we spun them, and then we reinjected it. Um, you know, but those are your old stem cells. So, I mean, so you didn't feel like you got really a great feel. benefit. Of it. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. right around that time, like when you moved over to AKA was Khabib Nergomenov. Did he start making appearances there? Yeah. 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 Khabib was there, you know, and he was already a stud and we got to train, um, you know, we got to train together. Um, you know, he was a beast. He was coming up. Um, you know, he would, he would fly in for, for his camps, you know, and then he would head back to Russia. Well, how, how do you stack up wrestling? Cause like, I mean, you got yeah. your pedigree. There's gotta be a yeah. little bit of story there. Yeah. Um, we didn't train a lot together, but we trained a couple times and, and, you know, it was good goes. It wasn't anything that, that. I felt as if, you know, I can't, like, I couldn't handle it. You know, it was more of like, um, uh, yeah, just like, it wasn't really a big deal to me. Like, oh my God, this guy's so tough. It was like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's good. He's pretty good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we had John Fitch on. We had John Fitch yeah. on, and he said the two fighters that he would put in a category of having just like beyond human strength was yourself and Khabib. Right. And yeah, John Fitch is obviously known for his cardio, his endurance, just he's always yeah. in shape. And he said the thing with Khabib is you had to <laughs> conserve your energy because if you didn't, he wore you down. And to me, that's yeah. shocking. Like a guy like John Fitch saying yeah. he wore me down because of like like wasted energy, and you've got to be real careful. But I think it's just maybe maybe styles because I mean you you didn't have that problem with him, huh? Uh, Khabib, yeah. no, no, we we didn't do a lot of sparring. We did a little bit more wrestling stuff. Um, there was one camp where we were working together a little bit, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we never really had a chance to 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 spar round after round after round. We just kind of worked, you know, together. But again, what he's good at is what I'm good at as well. You know, cage takedowns. Uh, you know, kind of grinding and him getting on top. And I'll give myself credit. You know, I'm pretty hard to take down. Did he get a mm -hmm. takedown? I don't think. No, Not even but, but I popped his knee out one time when he fought <laughs> Abel Trujillo. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, he fought Abel and he couldn't train almost half the camp because when we were wrestling, he wasn't giving up this one takedown with me. And, uh, he, he actually, like I had him down to where I was about to get the takedown and he was trying not to give it up. And it actually, he, he hurt his own knee, just trying not to give up that takedown. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. He's a beast. He's yeah. a beat, you yeah. know, but um, as far as like, you know, the matchup, I mean, I can't tell you like how we didn't have a chance to train a lot, you know, together like that round after round after round, you know, it would be like, all right, you know, partner up for a round and we would do jujitsu mm. or whatever. And, and, you know, I'm not a big guy like, oh yeah, you know, I, like I beat him that round. So in practice, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I'm better than him. It doesn't work like that. We had some good goes. We had a couple flurries, you know, and, and uh, he proved that he was, he was a beast, you know, he, he became a different fighter too. Like when you're yeah. talking, when he first started coming there, he was a decent fighter, but then when you right. see him, a few bouts later, he really leveled up. In fact, yeah. I would even say at the yeah. beginning parts of their career, when Tony Ferguson and Khabib were supposed to meet up, had those fights happened, I think Tony yeah. would have been not a slight yeah. favorite. He kind of would yeah. have been. Yeah. Yeah, he had a close relationship with Javier. Um, you know, and uh, he, did, he did a really good job with Khabib, you know, um, I like Javier. He's a great guy. And, uh, you know, he really helped Khabib out a lot because his dad couldn't come over a lot of times and he kind of took over that place. And that's and, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, when you, when you have a person like that in your corner, you know, that you have that connection with, it gives you, you know, it gives you a lot of energy, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, it, uh, it was a good fit for him. Did you ever go with Josh Koscheck? Josh Koscheck had just left when I got up there. Okay. Yeah. We knew okay. each other in college. Oh, huh. that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, why don't we close with one more fight? Is that cool? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let, let's go your tough 18 finale. It's a hard one. Uh, November 30th, 2013. Let's, let's close the trilogy out with Nate Diaz. Uh, um, yeah. You know, you came in as a minus 125 favorite. Nate was a plus 115 uh, underdog. Did this come about last minute? Because I know they were trying to push it for five rounds and you had yeah. stated no. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what happened with that fight was, you, you know, again, I'm just going into backstory and, um, uh, you know, kind of what was going on with the camps that was after my TJ Grant fight, correct? Yep. Yes. So what happened was I closed on that house, <laughs> had no money. This house was built in 1950. Needed, I thought what, what it needed was like, okay, I'm going to do the floors. I'm going to do the cabinets. <laughs> I completely gutted it down to the, to the, to the to the bones like 
the two by fours, took all wow. the drywall off and I'm working on this house probably eight to 12 hours a day, Dude. barely even going up to AKA, you know, and it's draining me of money, you know, remodeling it. And, um, I had to take the fight and, you know, even in the camp, I was still working on the house. I just couldn't stop. You know, everybody was like, great, you got to stop doing this. I was like, my kid, we were living at Luke Rockhold's apartment at the time. Uh, Cause he lived with us for a little bit. And then we bought the house and completely gutted this house. It wasn't livable. Mm. So me and my daughter and my wife are staying at Luke's house. I'm going over trying to rush on this, like this house and try to remodel it, putting up drywall, like just grinding, going back over to AKA. That was a 40 minute drive, trying to get some training in, come back over, work the, the rest mess. Of the night. So it, yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts, you know, and then they try to pull that, that five rounds on me like halfway through a camp and I'm already like barely doing bare minimum, you know, yeah. like training. And uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's uh, you know, it's stories you'll tell your kids, you know, the tough times and, and uh, you know, are you living in that house now or, or did you flip? No, we sold that house. We remodeled it and we sold it. It was in uh, Santa Cruz, uh, California. Great house. But, um, you know, just a little bit pricey up there. <laughs> where, where are you yeah, living at now, Gray? I'm in Michigan. There okay, you go, cool. Midwest. Yeah, we got 13 acres out here. Nice. We got 13 acres out here. We got our, you know, horses. Uh, Oh, you know, my mom's out here. My sister's out here. You met my uh, sister in Milwaukee. I remember. I remember. What yeah. uh, what um, what part of Michigan are you in? We're in Grand Ledge, close to Lansing. Okay, cool. cool. Uh, are you working out still? In the yeah, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna probably help out with the Michigan State team. Cool. So cool. you're gonna go back to wrestling? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Nice. You know, that was my first love. Um, you know, I, I definitely like to, to train and coach MMA. Um, you know, I train one guy out of Norway. So, um, you know, I might go back there to help him out a little bit. But there's not a lot of MMA gyms around here. So, um, you know, yeah. just. Back to the basics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, you also worked out with CB Dalloway. Yeah. Okay. Did you also work out with Drew Fickett at any time? Never got a chance to work out with Drew Fickett. No. Uh -uh. C.B. Dalloway. I knew him and Ryan Bader when they went to ASU. Yeah, tough dudes. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Bader's done a great job with his career. You know, he For really sure. navigated it well. And, and uh, you know. Yeah. No, for sure. He's he went over to Bellator and made, 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 made it right. Now, let me ask you, in terms of wrestling, when you said, you know, BJ Penn called and that was your first interest, but were you aware in Ohio you had, like, Coleman and Randleman and, like, yeah. there were there were other wrestlers? Hammerhouse. You know, previous yeah. to that. 
was that an influence on you in any way or, or did you just miss that out? I don't know. No, like I remember watching a UFC in the eighth grade in my buddy's basement. And I was just like, these guys are insane. You know, we got people <laughs> walking out with the cross and, and uh, voice Gracie and, uh, Joseph. you know, and then after that, like, I really didn't watch it at all. And then when I came back to Vegas, I started getting into the jujitsu gym. And here, here's a point in my life when I knew I had to do it because um, here's what happened was me and my buddy were about to go out drinking or whatever. And we were watching a UFC fight and Matt Hughes was, there was a couple of us, Matt Hughes was, was on it. You know, I probably had a couple beers in me and, um, you know everybody's like asking me hey man could you be Matt Hughes he was a wrestler too you know and I'm like oh yeah of course man he was a two-time <laughs> all-american I was a three-time all-american but I remember I remember waking up the next morning like oh you piece of shit you're you're talking about stuff that you don't know about I got it <laughs> Now I have to do this because I'm not going to be that guy on a bar stool talking about, like, oh, I could I could have done this. I felt like the biggest, you know, scumbag for, you know, should like talking my talking myself up like that. Like, oh, yeah, he's a two time All-American. I'm, you know, a couple beers, a couple 12 ounce curls. And and now I'm a tough guy. But I remember that was that was a point where I was like, dude, I got to put up or shut up now. You know, and I, I got with Kapoor and, and uh, you know, like really, like really grinded. That's awesome. Man. <laughs> what was your parents? What, what, where, where was their stance throughout your career? My dad wanted me to be in. He, he tried talking me out of it. You know, he was like, um, he was like, you should be a manager, like manage these guys. Don't get beat up. But, <clears throat> but then once I got in it and they watched my passion and they watched, you know, that I was um, able to do a job that was, that was, um, you know, pretty good. And, you know, I was good at it. They, they, um, you know, they definitely didn't like it, but, <laughs> but they rallied behind you. They rallied. They, yeah. They always rally behind me. That's awesome. So the third Nate Diaz fight, like obviously it's it's one and one going into it. Yeah. You guys were talking a little bit of shit at the second one. Yeah. Did that kind of come full circle starting at weigh-ins or pre-weigh-ins or were they was it respectful? Um, I remember after I beat him, anytime we saw each other, it was kind of you know, even his brother, they were just like staring at me and, and wherever <laughs> we were, if it was at a club where, wherever it was, you know, um, like they, they had hard, a lot of hard feelings because, you know, I did beat him and, um, and I didn't care, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And then we, we had that third one. And there wasn't really a lot of shit talking. Um, yeah, it was I mean, just. How, how does like, it, was, it was a quick? How fight. does that even come about? That like, for instance, like, did do you think he requested the fight? Did you request the fight, or was it just 
no they wanted itself. to close out that trilogy you okay, know and we were on the card anyways and, mm. and uh the main event pulled out and we were the main event and um you know they just yeah they wanted to do that so so like when you saw each other at the clubs did you guys almost get into a fight or did you just kind of put it in rearview mirror you know it was just one of those like um they kind of stayed on apart, you know, staring at me and, you know, I'd be staring at them or whatever. And then, you know, after he beat me, then they were nice to me again. You know, they, <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, up hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, but, um, you know, of course, you know, he beat me and I congratulated him and, and, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's all history now. Um, that's cool was i prepared to go up against nate diaz at the time probably not you know and and but that's just that's what happens that's that's the uh, sport brother mma yeah that's the sport you know and and i'm just glad that that he he had a chance to you know to make some real money you know he's He's doing a anybody. I don't care who it is, man. If I hate you, if I love you, if you can make money off this sport, I'm happy for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was I was thinking about it. You know, it, it is one of those things where anywhere you cut it, the the two richest people off of the last some whatever many years of the sport, besides like the Fertitas or you know that they were investors, right? But Dana yeah. White made half a billion bucks. Yeah, and, and Joe Rogan made half a billion bucks. Two guys who never fought. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's yeah. the richest people that the sport created. That ain't fair. Uh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. Connor's up there. I don't know about that. Yeah, Con- yeah. Connor might. Connor might is the third half a billion dollar person probably. Yeah, and, and he made. Yeah. well, he made most of his money off other stuff. Though, Whiskey, right? Yeah, but yeah. it was it was based on because of his career though. So yeah, well, made for this. Yeah. yeah, you know. Hey, I'm getting ready to pimp slap an old man in a bar if that's big money. <laughs> yeah, right. Miguel, you'll just end up in jail. So yeah, that's, that's my difference. Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Some of the things that also stand out is you go down to 145, and, and I know we're, we're trying to wrap this up. Um, you go down to 145. When was the last time you had made 145? Like, was it high school? High school, yeah. yeah. That's right, I figured. Ooh. High school. So, so you go down to 45. Yeah. You know, I had, I had to be really disciplined, um, you know, and again, we're big into health and we're big into, to, um, you know, keeping healthy and, and just doing a lot of, a lot of stuff to, to, um, you know, to eat right. And, and, uh, you know, that's the only way I could have done it was just, being disciplined and and um the first time i made it that was tough though yeah it was against uh, the worst yeah it was against fernando bruno i believe yeah yeah so you know we kind of we touch about we talk about it in several of our podcasts about how the ufc will put you up against people that are like you got a whole locker room full of people but you got to put me up against my friend and gray had started working out at uh at uh, nova unyao and his first bout at 145 is Fernando Bruno. Yeah. And you guys had trained together before. Yeah. So um, I met Jose Aldo when he fought Kenny Florian and I fought 
Edgar. And I just, you know, I'm a big person on like, if a person's a good person, you know, I want to help them. So um, after that, you know, I hit up his coach. Uh, he was going up against Chad Mendez. You know, I was like, hey, man, if you guys need help, you know, I'll come down there and help you guys. And, um, you know, Aldo is just one of those humble, good people that came from nothing. And, and uh, you know, I went down there for like a month to help him out. And um, uh, Bruno, he trained there, you know, and then there was a couple other times I flew down there to help him out for like an Edgar fight. And um, uh, yeah, so Andre, Andre. Andres. Uh, and the nearest he after the after i beat him you know he was he was an awesome guy and he took me under his wing like while i was in uh uh rio and um you know he was just he you know he was great he could have been a dick like oh you took the fight or whatever but you know he hugged me and and he's like we still love you gray you know so uh cool cool like you know, another yeah, another thing I, and like I, I know we're, we're keeping going and i'm apologizing yeah. another thing like you're 38 years old and you had mentioned chad mendez when he was going up against jose aldo was that the about that got canceled when they canceled the entire event because they were supposed to fight twice. One time they canceled the whole card. It wasn't just John Jones where yeah, the whole card was no, canceled. I was supposed to be on that card, the L.A. card, and I didn't yeah. go down to help him train. Um, the Chad Mendez, I helped him when he knocked him out. Okay, so it was the second yeah. time. Yeah. So you're 38 years old. They put you in against Teruto Ishihara, who yeah. is training full-time at Team Alpha Male. And right. Chris, as you know, that – catch wrestling style from Japan makes it very difficult for a lot of people to deal with. And you handled it really well. I, I was shocked at how well you looked in that fight. Yeah. I really feel like, um, you know, I could have beat pretty much anybody at 145 and then, um, but Ryan Hall, because <laughs> he beat me. And, uh, you know, I just, it was just one of those, uh, I just couldn't figure him out. And do you wish you would have went to the ground with Ryan? Yeah. So here's what happened in the back room. Our plan was to go to the ground. Uh, one of my coaches asked the ref when he comes back to talk to us, Hey, if he keeps going to the ground, what are you going to do? And he says, well, I'm going to ding him with, um, a point yeah it's called timidity yeah you know, i'm gonna ding him that's called timidity and then we look at each other and my hands are taped up and we basically change up the game plan like let him go down if if he's gonna get dinged and you know obviously it didn't happen and then by round two it's kind of like uh, you know so that's what you were jawing at the ref about like, yeah you gotta take the point yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the back room, that's that's kind of what, what your whole game plan about. changed based on what the referee told which you. Which is stupid, which is idiotic 
on on our part right and uh you know but that's just again that's just a backstory it just you know. I don't know if I'd pass on that though. Based on <laughs> what he's saying, he's gonna take a point because you know you're gonna get a point. That's what I that's what we thought. And that's but that's how it it goes, you know. Those fights happen quick, and you're just like by the time you realize stuff, sometimes it's halfway through the the second round, you yeah. know, and you're like too late now. Now I gotta now I gotta change the game plan again and figure out another way and try to knock him out or whatever it is, you know. So uh, it was a weird fight, and there wasn't a lot to prepare off him with. I mean, he did the the Minari roll up. Yeah, the Minari roll. You know, and we had that we had that down pat, like you know how to. He just couldn't get that, and um, you know, but we were definitely confused and um, kind of messed up by changing up the game plan last minute like that. Mm. Hmm. All right, man. Great. You've given us a ton of time. Yeah. Really appreciate all the time, man. Like I said, a fascinating, interesting career. Love watching your fights. Um, I yeah. can't thank you enough for your well, time. I love bro. watching really your fights. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You guys are awesome, man. I appreciate it. Definitely, hey, thanks, very much. And Gray Maynard, I just want to say, you know, thank you for all those, the title fights with Edgar, all that stuff. Those should be Hall of Fame fights. Absolutely. If they're not, it's not, you know, it's Dana and his ego have to be moved out of the way. It's just as simple <laughs> as that. There's no other way about it. Why do you yeah. think that's not in the UFC Hall of Fame? You had mentioned that there was some kind of like a, a rub between yourself and the organization. Well, I've just been been kind of speaking out on like fighter pay and um you, you know i just i don't want anybody to go through like what what i had to go through like with the stress about the low pay with the title fights and and the pay-per-views and and just um you know i want stuff to change you know there's there's a lot of money in this sport and you know it's all going to a couple people and um <laughs> you know, we, we, we should be fighters. able to give what we're yeah. worth. And yeah. if he doesn't, you know, and if that's what he does, if he wants to to do stuff like that to spite me, I don't care. The sun comes up tomorrow. Like, like I know, like what I did in my career, you know, I don't need a pat on the back from anybody. And, and uh, I'm glad people enjoy it. I'm glad people still watch it. And, you know, I mean, what, whatever happens happens and and uh you know that's great but but um you know i'm yeah, not you, stressing about that type of stuff that's that's not who i am you know hall of fames and 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 if it if it happens great if not great you know the sun comes up tomorrow either way wow. <laughs> thank you very much man thank you yeah awesome thanks great yeah appreciate you guys we just got done with the Gray Maynard interview, Mike, and, uh, you know, we went long again, almost three hours, and I think worth every bit of it, because you're talking about, I, I, I think he's a serious dude, too, so we just got a lot of info out, man, good stuff. We kept pushing, we kept pushing, and, and he kept coming forward, and um, that's what it's all about. I mean, that, that's, that's what a real interview is all about. You got to know the subject material and help the listener understand who it is we're talking about. What we need, Miguel, we need like, share, subscribes.
guys on iTunes, write anything you want. We don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say stuff about Miguel or myself, we don't care. Just give us five stars. That's all we ask. And, you know, maybe Chris, or maybe we have a contest where, you know, the best, uh, the best comments, Chris will go to their house. We go, maybe that can be the contest we run. <laughs> we can, we can do it like a 10 second clip of Chris choking the winner out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so there's some so. things like that, but I don't want to take away from Gray Maynard. We just wrapped up a long interview. So yeah. I don't mean to cut you short, but we've been, we've been going along with him and, uh, I think I think money with him because I think we had a serious competitor, but he told us behind the scenes stuff. And I don't think he was complaining either. He was just like, no. well, this is the way it is. It's like, you know, I, I didn't win my bonus money and I couldn't remodel the house I was working on. It's like the trials and tribulations of the guys that didn't get to the big money, man. It's all plain and simple in this interview, plain for you to see. And Gray Maynard gave us that. Thank you, Gray. Yeah, you know, and Miguel, like, the thing is, it's like, you know, someone's feelings are hurt when they lose a fight. And he can't have made it come full circle where, no, no, no. Now I got to look at my wife and kids and say, yeah, the remodeling that we need to have done. Well, well, I just lost that fight. Yeah, it's, no, it's not happening. In other words, it's all my fault. Like the type of yeah. pressure. Yeah, and, and, and it's fun. We didn't bring it up. And Chris, a lot of the time does, but it's there too. Is that same old feeling of, of, before the fight, you're you have to be convinced that you're gonna win. So the yeah. idea of like even planning for not getting your win money sometimes wasn't in the in the in the works here because it did it just it's not part of the mindset of a top athlete. So that's crazy the way everything plays in. But Gray, thank you very much. Yeah, a real, a real pro through and through. And I, I think he gave us gave us a real trip down what it's like to be. Well, that's the first time we ever got a look at a true financial situation of a fighter. Like we always say, Hey, you know, would this fight pay? What did that fight pay? Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of taboo in a lot of fighter spider circles. And we continuously pull that out of athletes, but he even took it up a step further. Like, yeah, I'm trying to flip houses, trying to actually make a living, trying to make this a career. And, you know, I'm, I'm headlining events and you know, making, you know, 32, 32, 40, 40. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, so anyway, Gray Maynard out of the ballpark. Thank you very much.